Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things. Streaming Things. I'm going to start singing it like that on every opening. Streaming Things. But I'm going to do it in a different genre every time. Oh, I look forward to this bit that we will definitely remember in two weeks' time. It's definitely happening. (laughs) Jot it down and look forward. Don't do that. It's never going to happen again. Uh, So this week on this episode that you're listening to in your ear holes right now is the 2020 Survival Kit. And it will hopefully be the last time I ever say the numbers 2020 together. Unless I'm talking about vision. Well, when you say 2021, you kind of have to say 2020. Yeah. Oh, oh no. We're just going to have to come up with a code word. Ought one. Ought 21. <laughs> I don't have anything funnier than that. But that's a good one. Usually I piggyback and we just snowball into hilarity. But that's the end of that one because I'm fresh out of yeah, so this is the 2020 Survival Kit. So what we're going to do, it's going to be real fun, quite a hoot, a gas, as the kids used to say in the 50s. Uh, it's on. It's going to be on fleek, as the kids used to say in, in the, 2015. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> pre-Trump era, right before. Um, we're going to count down our top 10 favorite things of 2020. Things that, not just favorite, but helped us survive the onslaught of never-ending shit that kept falling upon us. Uh, and media. So TV shows were game. And we wanted to do a top 10 film list, but we thought we'd do something a little more special and close to home. And just the things in general that meant so much to us that came out that year. And also, I don't know if 10 films came out this year. <laughs> no, they, <laughs> they definitely did. It's just... That's true. It didn't strike us the same way. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about... So, okay, rules though. So uh, TV shows are game. Films are game. Documentaries, game. Uh, games game <laughs> uh, i see what you did there uh even you know music if it touched you in a certain way so uh, all of those things are are ripe uh, i don't know if that was a good word right for the pickings right. yeah that, right for yeah. the pickings there you go yeah. I, I just I stopped it ripe though and it sounded weirder <laughs> they <for some> are <laughs> ripe. all of those things are ripe uh, <laughs> future reference if you end it on ripe Shit gets a little weird. Yeah. Uh, For people just now listening to the show, welcome. Uh, We're trying something new, some kind of interim uh, content, if you will. We were born to Stranger Things. That is what we do best, and that is what most of the people prefer that we stick to. You merely adopted it. (laughs) Right. We were born to it. Um, So, you know, obviously there's no new Stranger Things right now. So we are back, and we've got a new format. We're very excited to introduce every single Monday. We will be here or there, wherever you might be, <laughs> inside your headphones. At possibly 3.16 uh, a.m. every Monday. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> never going to get on. It's never going to. It's Turn on the podcast feed, download the new episode of Streaming Things. Hell yeah. <laughs> Are you going to open up something at that time, maybe? I'm going to open up a can of this new episode of Streaming Things. <laughs> I'm going to stop a mud hole on my phone if it doesn't download the latest episode. I feel like so many people in the world, especially the younger people, 
have no idea what the fuck is going on right now. Everyone knows who Stone Cold Steve Austin is. You think? Yeah. I don't I, even like wrestling, and I know who he is. I, yeah, only, but we're 32. Yeah, it's true. As Kristen Bell once said in <laughs> The Good Place, there are only two men I've ever told you I love you in my life. The first being Stone Cold Steve Austin, and the second being a man at a bar I thought was Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Infinitely quotable, because everybody can relate to that. Yep. I'm going to watch that. Uh, so I wanted to spend the first little bit um, talking about how we arrived at our list. Cause I think we both had, or I'm sorry, all of us had different methods or I would imagine so. So like I'll start. So for me, I don't want any of our listeners to think that these are the top 10 artistic achievements of 2020 for me by any means. I did watch uh, a lot of really wonderful films, you know, in craft and technicality and all kinds of things that I'm like, wow, that's a fucking amazing. But there's just certain things that, really carried me through you know the apocalypse essentially um and it's funny because you always get that desert island top 10 what would you take with you and i was accidentally on this desert island scrambling you know unpreparedly for certain things and uh i found some good gems in there and so for me there's a lot i was looking back through it there's a lot of comedy you know which mm-hmm. i always love comedy but usually for a list like this andy and i you know specifically but i think steve the last few years as well we've done these top 10 lists and it's yeah, you, usually not like this at all. Usually mm-hmm. we do, you know, you know, we, we approach these lists, as you mentioned before, like we're trying to figure out what we think has the best artistic merit mm-hmm. out of yeah, them. Right, um, but this year, because of, you know, just the, the, the circumstance that surround this year, I think that has colored all of our lists. Um, like you mentioned, you probably picked a lot of colonies. So did I like, and I, right. and, I and I'm curious to see like in a normal year, how these would have stacked like in a normal year, would I have put this on my list right sure. at all? E- even if, or even as high as it is, um, partially because there's, there'd be more content typically, right. but, but also because like, you know, you know, we're actively, I think at least in my case, and it sounds like yours as well, Chris, like we're actively seeking out things to make us feel better. Right. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, some of these, not only would we have had different things to choose from, like, uh, I'm a huge James Bond fan, so No Time to Die would have been ripe. <laughs> uh, Dune, you know what oh I mean? Oh my God, Dune. Um, so many incredible things we didn't get, you know, Black Widow, um, but also the things that did come out, we would have seen in IMAX with Dolby Atmos, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. I've got a pretty fucking dope TV and I have, uh, you know, a full Sonos Brag. surround system, right? <laughs> pretty decent home theater setup. But it's still not the same. I didn't get to see Tenant. Is there someone in IMAX there, dude? I want to dust oh, it off. Dust it off. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, with these things that don't work so well in audio, uh, I, I stand by it. I stand and by I actually it. thought he was interrupting the show to tell me I had something on my shoulder. And like, are you fucking serious right now? Just get it. Um, <laughs> just get it. <laughs> so there's that, but also, yeah, like Steve said, I mean, things, certain things just hit different, as mm-hmm. the kids say. Um, Andy, what do you? We just kind of in Honestly, general agree pretty much know. same yeah um a couple of mine are uh um just like experience more than like what it actually was you know what i mean and like it, it and like steve said in a normal year it wouldn't come close to my list but for specific reasons i'll get into when when i talk about them like this that or the other is on there because of the circumstance during which i saw it and i will say that is not quite true for everything for me because i don't want that to imply either that what is on my list 
doesn't have incredible artistic merit because some oh, of it, for sure. some of it is legitimately some of the most genius shit of the last <laughs> decade, right? It's just there's a good mix of some things that I think meant a little more to me because of the place I was in mentally. Sure, that's all I want to say. Absolutely, I don't want like the creators of these things to like. You know, oh, I'm on the list. And be like, oh, okay, I'm on the shit list. <laughs> that's not true. There's a lot um, less like art house film pieces and a lot more correct. stuff that's like, it takes a lot of talented people to make, but they're not what you necessarily typically think of when the Oscars are making their nominations. You mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. This is the Apocalypse Oscars. The Apocalypse Oscars. I was going to do that. I was going to do that. It was I. Apocalypse Damn it. Steve beat me again. I'm 0-2 with Steve today. <laughs> um, Steve's on his game. So let's jump right in it, I guess, boys. boys. Uh, Andy, what is your number 10? So number number 10 is uh, kind of what I was alluding to before in that it's an experience more than it is the content itself. So number 10 is 10 it. Um, yeah. <laughs> is it now do you pronounce it 10 it or 10 ETs? 10 ETs. Uh, God damn, that's a lot of ETs. Uh <laughs> Steven Spielberg's the fucking best. Uh, Can you imagine 10 of those things running around? <laughs> oh, my God. Ten. Everybody be phoning home. <laughs> don't have enough bicycles. <laughs> Definitely don't have enough Reese's Pieces. Tenet is on my list purely because I got to see it in a theater. That's the only reason. It was exceptionally okay. I, I, I saw the movie with Steve. We had, like, masks on and seats between us. It was, like, the only big theater and. Like, I know that, like... There COVID, was, like, two other people right. in the theater. And I know, like, COVID and stuff is like, oh, you shouldn't go to the theaters. It's like, well, also, you like, I fucking love movie theaters, and I do not want them to die. And so, like, if there was the quote-unquote movie that was going to save cinema, like, goddamn right, I'm going to do my part to try to help that be a thing. Obviously, it didn't save cinema, but... No, Morgan Freeman narrating. <laughs> it did not, <laughs> it in did fact, not save work. cinema. <laughs> but but so, it, and, and, and to touch on the theater, like, we went to a, a local... Uh, that's AMC, right? Yes. We went to the AMC and, you know, shout out to that theater because they, you know, I was really kind of tepid. I think I was more tepid than you were, Andy, about going, because that was like the first time I had really gone out and done anything outside my house. Mm -hmm. And I was really kind of tepid about doing it. And, the, you know, shout out to the theater because they really made, you know, every, it made me feel safe being in the theater. They were taking it very seriously mm -hmm. and I just felt safe. I can't yeah. say the, I can't say that for the rest of the Newport pavilion, but right, <laughs> yeah. once you got into the theater, it was good. Right. Yeah. There were people on the pavilion that weren't wearing shirts, let alone masks. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Nice. As people are wont to do in Newport. Uh, but yeah, tenant was, it was okay. I, when I was there with Steve at one point, I kind of leaned over to him and I was like, this is comically hard to follow. And, and it's true. Like when you watch the movie and it is, it's okay. And then you, you read a synopsis afterward and it's like, holy shit, that's dope. That's not the movie I saw, but that's dope. And, and I'm sure it's great on a rewatch and, you know, elitist Nolan bro, bro nights or whatever would say, oh bro, you only watch it one time. And of course you didn't fucking get it. It's like, I shouldn't have to watch a movie more than once and still enjoy myself. If, if, if it didn't hit the first time and I was actively paying attention that's a fault of the movie, not of me. And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, it's on my top 10. Just I love that this list started with your top 10 favoriteest things of the entire year that helped you survive it. And Andy's like, Tenet, meh. <laughs> like, what? what? Dude, in, in the fucking year that I had to get to go to a movie theater was therapy, you know? Mm. And so it, it's on there just to have gotten to go. And that was a cool experience too, because that 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 movie was the first time I'd been to a movie theater and experienced the um, are they called D box? 
seats. Oh, like the Dolby 3D or I can't remember. It's, it's those seats that mm-hmm. like they rumble yeah. depending on what's going on in the movie. And I got to say, like, I, I also am with Andy. I'm not a super big fan of Tenet overall. It's it's a good movie, and I definitely think people should see it because it is worth seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but man, feeling there are certain scenes when that seat's rumbling. It it it, dude. It it's pretty immersive. It's it different. Yeah. It gets your heart rate going, and you're just like, oh my god, I can't hear what anyone's saying, but I feel <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's, the audio was fucking terrible in that. So tenant, yeah, tenant. All right, number ten, Steve. Steve? So my number 10 may be the most controversial thing. Okay. I, but I, I stand by my choice. Okay. And that is a little docu-series called Tiger King. Oh, wow. Mm. That was last year. Yeah, man. That feels like a lifetime. Yeah, it was 2020. That was one of the first like cultural phenomenons to hit at the beginning of the pandemic. So everyone had just started quarantining and then this catastrophe just lands on our feet this train wreck that you cannot look away from and you know i'm never going to financially recover from this <laughs> you know this I, I love the series because a it's just a really well done documentary i mean you can argue like what was the message of it right there's a lot are of they, moral ambiguity are they glorifying these people i personally don't think they are i think everyone in that show is a villain and the show paints them as such mm-hmm. But um, it's just well made, and it, it and part of the reason why I like it and like I, I I gravitate towards it is this well the supposed story if this is as true as they made it sound, it's just the, the creators of the documentary just stumbled ass backwards into the best story. <laughs> Because, like, it opens up with them like, yeah, we're doing a documentary on how people in Florida own large lizards. And then one dude at a lizard convention shows up with a snow leopard in his van. And they're like, where'd you get that? And they're like, oh, over there. And, like, and, that, <laughs> and that introduced him to the world of large cat people. And then through interviewing those people, they run into Joe Exotic, which runs into what the rest of the show is. And while they're hanging out with Joe Exotic, his boyfriend kills himself. And he, uh, one of his workers gets their arm ripped off. And he runs for office. And he tries to kill Carol Baskin, who might have killed her husband. We don't know. And <laughs> It's just this. Oh, we know. <laughs> this goddamn Carol Baskins. Um, it was just the most insane train wreck that you knew was awful the entire time you're watching it. I mean, it's not awfully made. It's it's expertly made. It's mm-hmm. expertly crafted. But, like, the people and, like, what they're doing is just such a train wreck, and it's awful. But you can't stop looking at it because yeah. it's fascinating as all get out. Um, I'm actually really glad you included that because I have on my – my little notes to the side of like honorable mentions, blah, 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 to make sure that we touch upon, uh, I put no Tiger King question mark. Cause I was going to talk about, holy shit, this happened in 2020 and it's not even on our list and that cra- but it is, it is. It made it my is. number 10. And that's the most honest thing because that was a huge part of my early 2020. Mm-hmm. I just, for reasons I've read way too many think pieces about it afterward and like couldn't stomach putting it on there. But the honest thing to do would be to add it because like it was a big part yeah and understand why people have gripes with it but all that being said i look at it as just on the merits of what it is on its own for sure um and i mean it's exp- like i said it's really well done it's really well made the people in it are villains and i really do believe that the show paints them all as such mm-hmm. um i mean i honestly don't know how you could watch that show and think anybody comes off as likable or yeah. good 
you know? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mean, it says something like if you're one, if you're, you know, if you're Don Jr. tweeting like, man, what a great show. I didn't know you could get Tigers for $2,000. <laughs> you know, you obviously took the wrong message and are an idiot. And clearly he is. But, um, <laughs> but uh, one last story about Tiger King and then we'll move on is, uh, so I saw the trailer for Tiger King on Twitter maybe a week, like Netflix put it out maybe a week before it aired. And I thought it was the most insane looking thing ever. And I went home and I showed Sam, my wife, and I was like, we have to watch this show. And I like texted it to her. I'm like, will you watch this with me, please? And I know she didn't watch the trailer because she just responds like, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Right. I don't know. Well, the show debuts. It's been out for maybe a week. My boss at work is talking with our client that we're working with at the government building. That's all they're geeking out about is Tiger King. And like, I'm hearing these like, tangential stories about it i'm like what they interviewed a guy in a bathtub i need to watch this show and so finally i'm like oh i'm just gonna watch it without her and i come home and when as soon as i open the door sam's like we have to watch tiger king my co-workers told me about it have you heard of this show it sounds so good i'm like Bleh. it's your idea honey yeah yep and and that's how we watch tiger king i'm sure every married person out there was just like yes Yes. I get it. <laughs> well, Carissa and I watched it. It was actually a huge uh, bonding thing for us, too. We, that was the, the first week we were, like, literally not allowed to leave our homes was that Tiger King era. And uh, it was fun. I still can't believe that was last year. Yeah. Dude, that was, like, April. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't yep. even a full year ago. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, my number 10 was Borat, subsequent movie film. Ooh, nice. Uh, Borat 2. Um I got a lot of good chuckles out of it, right, mm -hmm. is the dumb answer. But it was actually politically really important at the time. You know, the everything's gearing up, you know, the whole left versus right insane asylum that we find ourselves in in America these days. And then out of nowhere, Sasha Baron Cohen was able to, to, to shoot and produce this thing in the middle of the pandemic and actually do some really dangerous shit and get this footage uh, of, like, Rudy Giuliani. And, you know, that was... And like, I, I just didn't expect that, even though, you know, he pushed the envelope the first time. It was more silly. Uh, it was more like a Tom Green, if he were actually smart, kind of, you know what I mean? Like, that's what Borat kind of struck me as, you know, the first time around. Uh, but this time I was like, holy shit, this is like, this is like important. You know what I mean? Um, there's a scene. Have you guys seen the film? Oh, yeah. I have not. Oh, Steve, it is good. Have you seen the first film? Oh, of course. I'm away. Oh, yeah. That, right? yeah. I'm <laughs> seeing Borat in the theater, the first Borat was one of the best theater experiences of my life. It, it is, of my life. That, <laughs> of my life. <laughs> wah, wah, wee, wah. Uh, it really lives up to the, the original film, uh, which surprised me. But not only that, I think exceeds it uh, because of the, the context in which this one debuted. Um, but there's a scene uh, where he goes to um, uh, basically a Christian fake abortion clinic. Uh, and they're, they're trolling, you know, the purveyors of that place uh it is it's so i could not breathe i was trying to eat some dinner that you know we'd cooked and i was spitting it out on the, the dogs were loving it because they were picking up all kinds of food <laughs> they're not allowed to have uh it was awesome but i want to shout out to uh the, the debut actress as well um uh, maria bakalova she because because of the dynamic of the first movie sasha baron cohen's famous now yeah so he can't do his shtick where he like fools people into thinking he's this real foreigner you know yeah, not, what I mean? not as borat anyway correct and so the the conceit that he had to get around that was to pass the torch to someone else and you think who can be as ballsy 
and off the wall and crazy as, as Sasha Baron Cohen. Like nobody can say that kind of shit to a real person's face and not laugh or not get punched. Uh, and he found this young actress who can and like live up every bit to him. Um, it's, it's really good. I can't recommend it if enough. If I get titties, I won't drown. Yes. <laughs> Steve doesn't understand that reference, but um, it's so funny. So good. So that's my, my number 10 is uh, Borat subsequent movie film. It's a solid one. That should have been on my list probably. Andy, your number nine. Uh, my number nine is a video game. It's Call of Duty Warzone. Um, Never heard of it. Which also <laughs> dropped uh, pretty early on the pand- pandemic. Honestly, like it's Call of Duty. Of course, it's going to be a success. It's a runaway, the best success that Activision has ever had for Call of Duty because of just the timing of, uh, timing of it coming out. Um, that came just, out in the beginning of the pandemic? Yeah, everybody is stuck oh. at home, and now this giant Call of Duty free-to-play game comes out, and now you have a means of, uh, you know, kind of socializing and, you know, goofing around with your friends on game chat and, you know, doing something tactical, having fun. It doesn't cost you a cent. Oh, is that the, that's, is that the battle Royale? It is. Yes. Oh, okay. That's, so that's not the, not the, Cold War. the new, new one. That's yeah, yeah. Where they're like, Mr. President, we got a situation. All those ads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's on my list. Um, and, and it's fun. I enjoy it very much. And I've, I've played it probably more than other games. This uh, Just because we can socialize. Yeah. yeah it, it's on my list just because that was how I hung out with my friends in 2020. You know, I, I didn't get to, Go do stuff with them. We played Warzone, and you know I had a great time. It's the type of game like, and I've told Chris plays shooters like that pretty much exclusively. Mm-hmm. He, he's starting to branch out a little bit, and good for him. But for me, like that is not a game I would ever touch on my own. I like I'll download it, and it'll sit there on my PlayStation until somebody says, "Hey, let's play it." It's a it's a social game for me, so it's on on my list. Not because it's a great game and it's my cup of tea or anything, but. Because it's how I got to hang out, and you know, it was it was a good time. That's the bar where everyone knew your name. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Yep. <laughs> Steve, what is your number nine? So my number nine is a little bit off the wall. It's also the most recent of all my picks. Uh, this one just happened two weeks ago. It was the week after Christmas. No, I'm sorry. It's the first week of January. I'm sorry. Wonder Woman. No, it was not Wonder Woman. That is not a good movie. (laughs) Um, No, this is, and again, this is the most off-the-wall one. It is the Brody Lee tribute show on the episode of uh, AEW Dynamite. Okay. If you don't know that, so there's some context. AEW Dynamite is a wrestling show Mm. on TNT, and (laughs) it is sort of like the up-and-coming competitor for Vince McMahon's WWE. it's a really cool company. It's owned by Tony Khan, who owns the Jag- Jacksonville Jaguars, um, and it's also but it's also run by a lot of wrestlers themselves. So it's 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 this growing company and whatever. There's a wrestler named Brody Lee. He worked for the WWE for ten plus years, quit, and then went to AEW to try to like you know I I am a good person. I can be successful. You're not giving me a chance. He goes to AEW and he does it. He crushes it. Sadly. Brody Lee passed away suddenly at the age of 41, December 30th um, of an, it, uh, no one really knows exactly what they haven't released publicly what he died of. It, uh, we, only when, we only know that it was from a non COVID related lung issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like it was very sudden. It's very tragic because by all accounts, Brody Lee, not only was he a good wrestler, but you know, the, the stereotype is all uh, wrestlers are like these roadies that are like, you know, they do all these drugs and they're, they cheat on their wives and all this stuff. Right. But Brody Lee is the antithesis of that. He's like this big, hulking, monstrous-looking dude. But apparently, like behind the scenes, he was like, like a lot of people were saying, like he, if there's a Mount Rushmore of 
wrestling dads. He would be on the Mount Rushmore wrestling dads. So AEW decided to do this tribute show to him. And again, he'd only been working for the company for maybe 10 months when he passed. So he hadn't been there long. And what they did was probably the most classiest and beautiful and just amazing tribute shows to someone. Um, Essentially, so he has a boy. So his wrestling name is Brody Lee. His real name is John Huber. He chose his wrestling name because his his eldest son, who I think is like eight or nine, his name's Brody. Um, So what they did was they basically like brought little Brody, his other brother, Nolan, and his wife, I think his wife's name's Amy. They all were there at the show and they pretty much went to little Brody and they're like, what do you want to see? Who do you want to see wrestle? What is, what do you, and so this little boy, they had him make the entire wrestling card for this episode of, of this wrestling show. And you know, this is COVID, so they don't really have audiences. So they just have this audience of one and it's this little boy and they have like some minor wrestlers who are standing around him who are like his hype guys were like, yeah, look at that. Right. They're like getting him into it. Um, all the wrestlers are going up to him and like, kind of like, yeah, you're part of the show. And like, you know, it was really, really beautiful because not only are they paying tribute to this guy with video packages and, you know, well wishes from testimonials from the wrestlers themselves, they're paying tribute to him by treating his family incredibly well. Um, Cause my understanding is they also pay like all his medical bills for his family. Um, they made his little boy part of the show and and uh, like at one point with this heel wrestler, his name's MJF, he goes up to the show and he's like, I hate this fucking kid. And he's like getting into the kid's face and the kid pulls out a kendo stick and just whops him on the head. And he like sells it like death. Right. <laughs> and it was just really, really sweet. And his, his, his dad was like the TNT champion. And so they decided that they're retiring that championship belt. But instead of like retiring it, making it go away, they they made his son the forever TNT champion, and now that championship no. belt is retired with his son. No. And they and like it was just a really cool thing to see like all these people who are paying tribute to this man, but also like making what was so important to his real life part of the show. And you know it, it was just really sweet. And I really encourage people, even if you have an inkling of interest in wrestling, to seek just clips of that out, and you can just see the emotion and beauty behind it. It's great. That's, that's awesome. my only pro wrestling thing I will have. I promise. That's awesome. <laughs> no, that's yeah, much worth wants do. What was that called again? Uh, so the the show is AEW Dynamite. But I, if you go on YouTube and search AEW Dynamite Brody Lee Tribute Show, okay. you'll find a bunch of clips. Brody Lee Tribute Show, wonderful. Uh, my number nine is uh, nowhere near as epic as that or storied. I would say <laughs> uh, they use the word storied in wrestling a lot, as I recall, don't they? Well, that was a storied thing. I just it, went it through. Was, Holy shit. For sure. <laughs> uh, a lot of context. No, I mean, much needed. So my number nine is the movie underwater. Okay. Did you guys even see Case that? Film? I yes. did. I did see that. It, what did you now? Okay, let me say what I think. Uh, <laughs> obviously I loved it. So the first time I watched it, uh, very happy, right? I was like, holy shit, this is like a, obviously an alien knockoff, right? What if it, you could see like the studio pitch in it where, what if alien but underwater? We call it underwater, <laughs> right? Like, or at least I, that's how I imagine it went. Underwater, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> right? And so you think, oh, it's some schlock. This is going to be fun. It's even got TJ Miller. Like, you know, nobody likes him anymore. It's not cool to like him anymore, but he does what he does really well. Let's yeah. not lie. Uh, entertaining that's what you expect 
but it's actually a really fucking good film. Like it starts off at 10. It does a very unusual thing with the, the normal meter of a film. Uh, you know, the plot point one is like what? Two minutes in. Yeah, it's. It, it, um, I, I when I watched it, I texted you and I was like, "Well, that escalated fucking quickly." Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and anybody that knows me know, well knows that I absolutely am enamored with Kristen Stewart. Um, it's a thing. I can't. I just, it's just. <laughs> I don't know why. It just is. She's a phenomenal actress. Um, she's beautiful. If you watch her in interviews, she seems extremely grounded, uh, very concerned with aspects of humanity that you might not think, given her celebrity. I'm really enamored with her. Everybody knows it. Um, in fact, one time Andy came over and we're trying to find something to watch and I have Apple TV. And so you can see everything that I've watched recently as well in my watch list of things that I've you know put in the queue to watch soon. And we're going through and it's like underwater, something else, The Runaways with Kristen Stewart. Uh, <laughs> Personal Shopper with Kristen Stewart. Seaberg with... And he's like looking at me and I'm like, I went on a run. You know, like, <laughs> there's some good ones. Mind your fucking business. What are we going to watch? Um, anyway, so I, I just love that film. I think she's incredible. Uh, Vincent Cassell's incredible. It was directed by William Eubank um, and written by uh, Brian Duffield. So just want to throw that out there. If you haven't seen it because you think it, you think you know what it is, check it out. It's got like a forty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes or something. Mm -hmm. It's better Bullshit. than that for sure. Bullshit, ninety-six. Yeah, I would say it's better than forty-six percent. Mm -hmm. But I've watched it like three times in twenty twenty, so I just thought that was worth throwing out there. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely wor worth watching because you know, I mean, it's definitely does take a lot of inspiration, like you said, from Alien. But I think you know, utilizing the underwater, they, they do it really well of making the underwater seem claustrophobic, especially I feel like towards the beginning half of the movie. For sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it just, it fucking goes, man. You're right. Like mm -hmm. that you've probably seen the trailer where she's like brushing her teeth and then the water just fucking comes out. That's like the first minute yeah, of the movie. The movie <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't expecting that when and I said, I don't watch trailers. So I was like, da, 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 under, Oh shit. We're underwater already. Oh. <laughs> So, Andy, what was your uh, number eight? My number eight was Palm Springs, the Hulu original film. Um, Andy Samberg and the mom from How I Met Your Mother, who's Kristen... Kristen Miliotti? Miliotti. Is that how it's pronounced? I have no idea. Miliotti? Uh, dude, I am a sucker for time loop movies. Mm. Time, time it's loop its own genre now. Media in general. Um, I, I have watched uh, Edge of Tomorrow more times than I care to admit. I love that movie. It's a great movie. It's a, good a movie. really, Solid really, flick. really good movie, dude. Um, they they dropped the ball marketing it, and the whole lived I repeat is probably what it should have been called. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's a great movie. Um, I'm, t I'm talking about Edge of Tomorrow. Palm Springs is very good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm switching it. <laughs> Palm Springs is super duper good. Um, it, it's delightful. It's fun. It's lighthearted. Uh, it deals with the... Uh, the whole conceit of a time loop in fun and interesting ways. Um, and yeah, I just, it, it's one of the, I, th I think that might be, yeah, that's my last movie on my list. So there the, the pickings were slim, but like of the two movies I saw, it was real. it was way better than Tenet. <laughs> Which was also on my list. Uh, awesome. That's Palm Springs available on Hulu. Steve, your number eight. My number eight is, 
technically season two, but I'm also including season one of Harley Quinn. Fuck yeah. Oh, man. The That's animated show. I believe it debuted on the DC streaming platform, whatever they called that. Was it just DC? I don't even know. I, I didn't. I wasn't privy to it prior to HBO Max. DCS it's not a thing anymore. Now right. everything that's on that's basically transferred to HBO Max. So that's where you can watch uh, Harley Quinn. So season two came out this year. Season one came out like November of 2019. And then season two came out like April of 2020. It was like a really quick turnaround between seasons. Um, but it's a great show. It's animated. It's it's hyper violent. They curse a lot. But like, I feel like to so the... I feel like if you like the first episode of season one is like the most violent, and I think they kind of get that out of the way just to be like, okay, you, this this is a you know they kind of establish adult cartoon. It's all a cartoon. Look at all the shit that's going on, and then it kind of tapers off and becomes more palatable. But um, that show is so well written. It it makes Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy such. You know, I love that relationship between those two characters. Oh, dude, me too. Played by uh, Cuoco. I can never pronounce that. Kaylee Cuoco. Kaylee Cuoco and, Lake, and uh, Lake Bell. Lake Bell as Poison Ivy is inject that into my fucking veins, dude, she man. nails that. She's so funny. It has such a great cast. So, like, Lake Bell is um, Poison Ivy. Kaylee Cuoco is Harley Quinn, who, who, who really does a great way of taking such an established and iconic you know, character that's, you know, played by other actresses, you know, in when people think of Harley Quinn, they immediately think of either Margot Robbie from the live action movies, or I cannot remember her name, but from the animated Batman, I don't who's, who kind of invented like, Hey, put in that way of talking. Mm -hmm. I, I wish I definitely could invented it. I mean, that is the first iteration of Harley Quinn. Yeah. Uh, but also, I mean, Alan Tudyk is in the show. Uh, he he, he plays like, like everything. Yeah, he's everything. He's the Joker. He's Clayface. He's the uh, Condiment King. <laughs> he's got range. Um, and one of my favorites, uh, Ron Funches, is King Shark. Oh, okay. Which King Shark is typically this like brutish, like brrr, monster. But Ron Funches plays King Shark is like, I'm just a happy tech guy who wants to get on the computer. <laughs> and it's really, it's so good. And Alan Tudyk plays Clayface as a, a failing actor. Because, you know, Clayface is the Batman villain that can transform into whatever he wants. Right. But the way Alan plays him is like, I am an actor. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's so funny. And we can't. Um, who voices Bane in that show? Oh, I have no idea. Um, but that show is almost. Worth I love it. that they took the Tom Hardy impersonation and just ran with it. Yeah, like and the Bane character in Harley Quinn so almost deserves his own show because he every scene he's in, he steals it. Why do I get the tiny chair? <laughs> we thought you would look funny sitting in a tiny chair. <laughs> oh, I get it now. That is pretty funny. <laughs> I kept calling Andy like, dude, you have to watch this this show. It's incredible. Because when I watched the first episode, I was just kind of, you know, eating dinner. Uh, she doesn't want to watch any of the art house films that I want to watch. You know what I mean? And I definitely don't want to rewatch friends again. So we're arguing and I'm like, all right, let's try this. You like cartoons. And then, so <laughs> you got so much stank in that. You like cartoons. <laughs> well, we fight about it a lot. Cause nerd she's, uh, you know, she loves a lot of good shit, but she prefers to watch something she's seen before most of the time. And you know, it's a comfort thing. Mm -hmm. And I have this, like, I, I'm the fucking weird one. I have this psychotic, like there's things I haven't seen yet. Like, people are going to judge me and film Twitter. You know what I mean? Like this is pressure. This is work I need to do to watch this kind of thing. You know what I mean? Sure. Like yeah. this is not free time. This is, I need to expand my mind right now. This kind is of, your real job. Right. It's so stupid. Right. <laughs> but no one pays me for it. I'm watching this. <laughs> right. But anyway, so we agree to watch this show, Harley Quinn. And uh, the first five minutes, it's so violent. 
and so uh, what's the word? They say fuck a lot, you know. What I mean? yeah. And I didn't expect it. And I'm, I'm not a snowflake or whatever, but I'm I'm kind of like taken aback. Like ah. Oh. Yeah, it's like they they get all that like out of the way immediately. Like, yeah, this, this is, is amazing. Like, anything is possible in the show. Look at what we threw at you in the first twenty Look minutes. Worked obviously. Chris is like, that's fucking dope. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. You know, and Steve likes like, to do inject it in his veins. <laughs> there's like kneecaps exploding. There's it was incredibly skin. violent. There's like faces being ripped off yeah. and people melting. Yeah, when uh, Joker threw that gas grenade. But yeah, I also love that. Good, good on you. What? Oh, Andy! Andy looked like he was about to say something, and then looked at his phone. No, well, I, I was just—I was just going to let it drop. I, I, it, it just occurred to me, like, and Steve made a solid point early on. Like, so in that show, like, they really do just get that out of the way. Like, look how fucking violent this could be, but no, it's actually a pretty cool show. You know what I mean? And it never really gets that violent again. Yeah, it yeah. Does. It's not to it say does. it doesn't get violent ever again, but not to the that like height. That. I don't. Think. I mean, that was a good hook, but there's some like. Have you finished both seasons? Uh, no, I have like two episodes left on the second. There's season. like a couple really violent prison fights in Arkham, and um, but yeah, I mean you're right. There's a, it becomes much stronger character development for sure. Yeah, and um, that's the thing. That's the strength of that show is the way they they do they integrate the character development with really whip smart writing, mm-hmm. really funny premises, and the, they take a lot of established Batman characters, put their own spin on it, while at the same time somehow managing to stay true to the original. Um, and it also has one of the best gags on uh, nerd culture. Um, I forget which which episode it is, but it's the episode that starts with like two, you know, I assume incel guys sitting on their their oh, couch. That was awesome. The one guy's wearing like a release the Snyder cut and yep. like the worst Jedi shirt, and uh, the one guy's like, oh, all these feminine rights TV show. I don't want to watch this Harley Quinn bullshit. And it, it, it keep, as he keeps talking, it's clearly evidence that he's already watched the entire show. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, actually, it's pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. I want to send a, a clip of that to Brad, a friend of mine who uh, insists on texting me about how much he hates The Last Jedi every day still. Um, but that's, that's you, Brad. How does that feel? <laughs> uh, my number eight was a show, uh, Amazon original, I believe. Should have done my research. I'm 99% sure. Uh, yes, I'm positive now. Upload. Yeah, that's Amazon. You guys oh, watched that, it? I, I haven't gotten to it yet, but I wanted to watch it. You that. will love it, Steve. Uh, I absolutely love that show. It was, it's from the creator Greg Daniels, who you might know did a couple smaller shows you might not have heard of either, like The Office mm-hmm. uh, or Parks and Rec. Things like that. Have you watched I've those? Never two? heard of them. Yeah, you should check them out. They're little indie darlings of mine. I discovered <laughs> them pretty much. But Parks and Rec is my shit. It's so good, it's so good. Um, but anyway, uh, and did not disappoint. I was like, oh my god, I can't live up to Parks and Rec. I'm gonna watch this anyway. Uh, so it's a futuristic sci-fi setting. You know, automated self-driving cars where people can upload their consciousness into a cloud, and it's kind of like an afterlife scenario. But, it, you know, it's a romantic comedy. It's philosophical. Uh, it's just overall fun and creative uh, and very different for Greg Daniels, I think. Um, I loved it. I can't wait for season two. It's like um, Black Andy, Mirror as done by Dr. Seuss. Yeah, it's like a, a lighthearted Black Mirror. <laughs> that um, is such a good, like, sell. Because <laughs> you said that, and I mean, like, what? what? <laughs> Gotta watch it now. I mean, he's right. I mean, the, the, the ideas are every bit as deep as, like, a, you know, a, a uh, old Charlie would do it for Black Mirror, um, but much more lighthearted. There's a lot of comedy and stuff. Um, and Andy Allo, I wanted to shout her out. She's a phenomenal breakout actress. I think she's a musician prior to this, um, and she's becoming a star. Uh, 
very excited for that. Very stoked for Upload Season 2 on Amazon Prime Video. Andy, what is your number seven? I love the shit out of Upload. That should be on my list, too. Um, my number seven, it's Upload. No, <laughs> I like uh, how you're like, the last two things, like, man, I should have put that on my list. But he didn't you think put, about his I list very on much. Your list. <laughs> I mentally checked out for a lot of 2020, so I'm kind of like, you know, what are the things that like... And he's like, number right? seven, I don't know, man, Arby's is pretty cool. <laughs> Four for four is cool. I like that. Uh, my number seven is another video game, uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Um, mm. It is a Metroidvania, um, which is to say it's a 2D action side-scroller uh, uh, video game um, developed by Moon Studios. And it is an absolute delight. You play this cute, itty-bitty little mouse fairy character thing who... Travels around in, in this little world, and he's trying to find his little adopted Jeez. brother who oh. is a, a, a baby owl. And you like get new abilities as you go, and you meet all these characters who are like dealing with the kind of like the world ending in in certain ways and stuff. And it, the game is absolutely gorgeous. Like any any frame at any point during that game, you can pause, take a screenshot, and it is one of the. It, it's a work of art. Every single frame of that game is absolutely gorgeous. And the soundtrack is, is a banger, dude. Like, there are very, very, very few games ever where I'm like, I want to look up the soundtrack and I, I'm, I'm going to rock out to that. And Ori's one of them. Like, it is, it is dope. So every, it, it's, it's just my shit. Like, Gwen Stefani, you know what I mean? I'm saying that, that's my <laughs> shit. Uh, it's just, it, Metrovanias are my type of game. I, they're just a lot of fun. Ori is delightful. The characters are so much fun. The gameplay's great. The music's great. It's beautiful. I, I can't hype that game up enough. Awesome. Is that available on PlayStation Plus? Or? Uh, it is only available on PC, Xbox, and Switch. All right. And that is the... Or, or, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I always I, like to, you know. I really, really wish. I really wish Andy wouldn't have said it because I just really wanted to see where you were going to take. I your... was going to go, baby. I was going to go. Oreo and the. <laughs> I kept thinking of the owl. Um, anyway, Steve, what is your number seven? So, you might be noticing a trend in my picks where I'm I'm not necessarily brave enough to commit an entire pick to a full show, but instead I'm picking. A single episode in a series of a show <laughs> yeah cheating that's known as cheating yeah um, I, I've, I've done the aforementioned episode of a wrestling show now i'm going to do a very specific episode of a television show on fx called what we do in the shadows Ooh, a nice. great Our show roots. a great show in and of itself definitely check it out if you haven't seen it however i'm giving this this placement specifically to the episode on the run which aired may 13th and uh, so if you don't know what, what we do in the shadows is, it's about, it's almost like a documentary style office type. Like think of the office, but everyone's vampires. Mm -hmm. um, and they're all like vaguely European and weird and live in vaguely European. <laughs> you don't know exactly where they're from, but they're vaguely European and Eastern um, European. Transylvania. Some of them are. Some of them are. True, true. One of them is definitely the the stereotypical like oh blah, but okay. then the other one, Colin Robinson, is a emotional vampire who just like <laughs> right. he just sucks. So he just goes like, so how's Mondays? Am I right? And just like <laughs> he drains your life force, and he, he's fits. I love that character. But anyway, on the runs focuses on a specific character, uh, Laszlo, um, who is played by Matt Barry. You may remember him from IT Crowd. He I think he was the second boss in IT Crowd. Oh, okay, but uh, he plays the more like 
flamboyant and, and wild of the three main vampires. And uh, the, the story deals with, so they're hanging out at their house, and then this this vampire comes out of nowhere, played by Mark Hamill, who's <laughs> like, Laszlo, you owe me a great debt of money. And they like are set to battle for the death, and then at the last second, Laszlo you know, turns into a bat and runs away. And then the episode focuses solely on him on the run. And he basically just takes up roots in the small town and he takes under the persona Jackie Daytona <laughs> who owns a bar and he is a big fan of the local high school volleyball women's team and is trying <laughs> to get them to stay. <laughs> it's just a really absurd, silly episode, but it's so goddamn funny because there's this running bit where he's like, I may look like a very terrible vampire, but with my disguise, I'll fit right in with these humans. And he just puts a toothpick in his mouth. And he's like, there you go. Now I'm Jackie Daytona. And then later in the episode, Mark Campbell like wanders into his bar. And there's like this tense moment of like, I'm here for you to give me a beer. And he's like, oh, hello, stranger. <laughs> One of my favorite jokes is like uh, the waitress that works for him is like, Jackie, you, you say you're from Arizona, but you talk all European like. It's like that's how we talk in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing show, but seriously, the show on the, uh, the episode on the run is one of my favorite episodes of content ever. I love that show. I know. I absolutely cannot stand myself for not finishing that show yet. I watched the pilot, and I love that movie. Yeah. I watched the movie like five times. Um, anyway. Chris and I watched the pilot together at one point. And we're like, this is awesome. We need to watch this. And we we ate Greek, as I recall. Oh. Hummus and gyros and uh, gyros and uh, never watch it again. Yeah, definitely check out the movie too that's based off. It's a Taika Waititi film from a couple years ago. It's Stu's namesake. So good. Yep. It is. Yeah, that's right. So we named Such you Stu. Guy. Such a good guy. My number seven is the movie Soul, directed by Pete. Oh, good choice. Pete Doctor. Which oh. if, if you've seen one of the trailers, you get the joke behind that. Uh, written and directed by Pete Doctor, rather, um, you know, starring Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey. Uh, and I know there's some prob problematic issues, um, but Soul hit me. Um, so if you listen to last week's episode, I bitched about my quote unquote career. It's a job. It's not a career. Right. I bitched about that because I have the privilege to do so. Uh, and Soul just struck me at a time in my life. I was sitting next to my son and my fiance, and I'm watching this movie about how you are so much more than your job. Um, and the things that spark you are not your purpose in life. Um, and it just crushed me. You know what I mean? Every now and then, like something will just hit you at exactly the right time. And you don't know if it's because it's a genius work of art, uh, or it just hits you in the right moment or some weird, you know, cosmic combination of both of those things. But whatever that is, it happened with soul. And I was just like, fetal position crying inside at the end of this movie uh, and Pixar does that and specifically Pete Doctor I mean his previous films are all of the most so like all the Pixar films are good right but you think about his oeuvre it's not and, Finding Nemo no, it's not <laughs> up inside out yeah um, those are the like up the first who hasn't been just crushed by the first uh, 20 minutes up right and inside out i think is a uh, one of those movies that people don't necessarily talk about when they talk about pixar's best movies but inside out it's really 100 really percent top five yeah 100 top five and i don't think soul is actually up there and that's what we were talking about like soul's not gonna hold a candle to inside out most likely um to me like if i were to watch them back to back and and you know really vote for one 
but just this time in my life, I was like, oh my God, did I fucking need that? And that's actually what sounds stupid. Like if I quit my job tomorrow, I hope I tell the guy like, I mean, have you seen Soul Man? You know what? Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. It really says what I'm trying to say to you better. There's a cat in the music. (laughs) Hey, pizza. It's jazz, man. (laughs) Like you're the leaf, basically. Um, Anyway, I love that film, and it's available to stream on Disney Plus right now. Uh, Andy, what is your number six? Uh, So my number six is Queen's Gambit on Netflix, and so I won't wax lyrical about it because I expect it's on your all's lists and probably much higher. Actually, never seen it. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. I'm, I, I bet my life it's on Chris's list. Mm, Andy's um, going to die tonight. <laughs> oh, uh, so oh Queen's my. Gambit is a it's a show about a girl that plays chess, and that, that's that's what it's about. But it's not. It's actually really about addiction, and it's what it's it, it's about being a functioning addict and how it can take your passions and turn them against you, and how you can ruin the good things in your life, and how you can let the important people in your life go by the wayside in pursuit of something that you, you, you look at as like a, a, what is the goal, but it's, it's not. And like, it, 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 I internalized it in a way that I really didn't expect to. Chris watched the show and he hit me up. He's like, dude, you gotta watch the show. It's fucking great. And, I, and he's, it, so if Kristen Stewart's number one for him, Anya Taylor-Joy is number two. And so uh, I was like, it's just a fucking Anya Taylor-Joy show. I don't give a shit. And I watched the first episode and I was like, it's pretty good. And, you know, it's well made. And I, I like period pieces. That's just another thing that I'm a sucker for. I like to see that they did well with the costumes and the set design and stuff. Um, and so I watched the first episode and I was like, that was pretty fun. You know what I mean? But whatever, I'll, I'll watch it maybe eventually. And then I uh, started going a little bit more with it. And, you know, as somebody that's dealt with severe addiction issues in my past, I started to kind of see myself in it. And uh, I, I started to recognize that, like, the people that were talking about it when it was part of the cultural lexicon were wrong. They were talking about, oh, the chess is wrong, and who gives a shit about this character? And it's like, that's, it's not about that. It's not about chess at all. Put it, put checkers in there. Put fucking Magic the Gathering in there. The story's going to be the same. You know what I mean? Digimon. Put some Digimon cards. Uh, Sellers of Catan. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ticket to Ride? <laughs> what are some other board games? The Catan's Gambit. Trouble? Um... <laughs> What if she was just popping the ball in the middle? Right. <laughs> she just when she looks up at her roof or at her ceiling at night and a little popper ball. <laughs> it's fun getting into trouble. <laughs> but so it, it it doesn't matter. It's not about chess. It, it's about how this girl's di- lifestyle is destroying her and the only good things in her life. And so by the end, I was like, all the little artistic things that I thought were kind of dumb and like as an aspiring creative person, I'm like, I don't know if I would have done it that way. Uh, I'm like, oh my God, that paid off. And I'm so glad that they did it the way they did. And it was, uh, it, it was just, a, it, it's on my list because it was such a surprise to me, like how much I loved it by the end. All right. That is Andy's number six, mm-hmm. Queen's Gambit, which is available on Netflix. Steve, what is your number six? My number six is, you know, we're following the same theme. It, it is another episode of another mm. uh, uh, TV show. Uh, it is from the TV show Mythic Quest, which you can see on was Apple TV. Was that 2020? It was. <laughs> I should have totally oh, put fucking Mythic Quest on there. It was yeah. a really good show. Well, I don't know if it necessarily debuted uh, in 2020, but this episode specifically out. aired on oh, February 7th. Oh, the quarantine 7th. episode? No. Really? No, this episode is titled Dark, Quiet, Dark, Death. Quiet, Death. Oh, 100%. nice. Um, so if you haven't seen Mythic Quest, it's about basically a 
video production company that, you know, and, and how do you pronounce his name? Rob McElhaney? Is that how you pronounce it? Sure. McElhaney. Uh, he's one of the Always Sony guys. Um, he's like the head of this video com- production company or video game company. And it's just their antics in between. And it's, you know, that's basically what it is. And then episode five, which is what a dark, quiet, play, uh, quite, uh, a dark, quiet death mm. is episode five. I honestly, when I first queued up this episode, I thought I was watching the wrong show. It's crazy. It's not just a bottle episode. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, it's so like you 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 have four episodes with these characters in this setting, and then all of a sudden, um, what's his name? Jack Jake Johnson mm-hmm. is yes, like the, the main Spider-Man character. Voice. He's uh, it's it's a completely separate story. I mean, not to spoil. I don't know how much we're gonna. I don't know how much of a spoiler it is, but I'm just warning the audience, like, if you're way late on that, maybe pause because it's a thing. But, yeah, go on. True. So, like, maybe fast forward, like, three minutes Mm -hmm. or so. But, yeah, like, in the middle of the season, you get this episode with completely different characters in a completely different setting telling a a completely different story for the most part. I mean, the theme, there are general shared themes. Right. And, you know, this is a comedy, you know, overall. The show is a, a silly comedy about video games. But this... This episode, which follows a, a, a young couple who uh, meet each other at a video game store, they decide that you know they also want to be video game creators. They decide to partner up, uh, create a company themselves, make these video games that are like about dark. There's like a darkness to them, um, and you know they eventually get together. There's a romantic relationship. They get married, and it kind of follows them over the course of several years of them starting their company, gaining success, and then what eventually happens with their relationship afterwards. And I, it is such a powerful, you know, story. It's so well acted. It's so well written. I was crying for a lot of it towards the end. Like I, this 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 episode wrecked me, and it it really caught me off guard because, again, the, the rest of the show is not like this at all, which is why, and, and, and to be honest, I'm not a super huge fan of Mythic Quest. I like it just fine, but this episode in the randomly in the middle of everything else is, like, fucking Oscar-worthy, in yeah, my yeah. opinion. It's, it's, it's so amazing. And the reason I did the spoiler warning thing, I think it's unique in that it's a it's a bottle episode, right? But they did it backwards. Like typically, you would find some sort of thread to a past moment, and then later show the past moment. But they did it where like it's just boom out of nowhere, and then showed how it connects to the future toward the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I just feel like that was really well done. The experience of running into that episode, as fucking fantastic as it is in the context of watching the rest of silly mythic quest mm-hmm. is it that is almost a spoiler to say like yo this is gonna this be is coming right dope. Yeah. yeah yeah it's it's crazy and the fact that they without any anchor to the rest of the story able to immerse you in those characters lives so quickly mm-hmm. very impressive and Chris i mean and, again mm-hmm. oh yeah spring hell yeah and to be honest, like I was so much more invested in those characters just after one episode than I was by any of the other like main characters by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I just cared about them and their story that much. I was kind of like, why, why, where's the rest of that show? I want that show. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, it's beautiful. Go check it out. It's on Apple TV. Uh, Apple TV Plus. Oh yes. yes, yes, Apple TV Plus. One of the many new streaming services. Yay! Plus. 
Every That's one reason I can't quit my job. I subscribe to all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number six is Palm Springs. I'll just touch on it briefly. Um, Andy and I, didn't we like co-watch that? Like we press play at the same time? No, I, I had watched it like the day before and then we ended up watching it together. Like, the oh, next that's day. right. That's right. Um, yeah, I love that film. Um, I, I, too, like time things, which is why I'm a good, good fan of Mr. Nolan. Um, but I think the conceit of Palm Springs that was really neat was what if you were stuck in the loop with someone else mm-hmm. um, and then had a romance? Oh, my goodness. That's a good, <laughs> was such a good idea. They did so many creative things with it, and that's why it's its own genre. Everybody kind of they're familiar with the rules and you can you can explore that. It gives it a whole new layer um, to the, you know, the Groundhog's Day genre. Um, you know, Andy Samberg's a, an unsung hero. He's a fucking comedic genius. Um, sometimes he's so goofy it's hard to take seriously, and sometimes he's got a, a, a depth that you're just like, oh my god, like, who is this? It's kind of yeah. like it reminds me of Adam Sandler. Um, and he was just so like, oh, here's what's a shampoo, and then out of nowhere, he's like, punch drunk, punch drunk love, yeah. and you know, or even Big Daddy, <laughs> you know, over me, yeah. And so that's that's who he reminds me of, um, which is the best compliment I can give him. Um, and Kristen Milioti was amazing. So that's Palm Springs, again, available on Hulu. Andy, you're number five. I'm number five. I'm going to mix it up. It's an album, uh, Dreamland by Glass Animals. God damn, is that a banger. They like, do, holy they shit. They do rock. You know what I mean? Um, it's on there. It, honestly, it's just on there because I listened to it on repeat for half of 2020. You were in the top 1% of Glass Animals listeners. I right? was indeed. My Spotify in review uh, gave me top 1%. And I actually stopped using Spotify like with like five months left to go in 2020. I would have been in wow. like 0.01%. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, yeah, that album just like... Every single track on there is a banger. Um, if you haven't heard it, go out and listen to it. Tangerine is great. Go listen to like Tokyo Drifting or something. It it has something for everybody in there. Like their style, they by virtue of being like their own EDM, but like alternative pop, hip hop, rock. They're everything. Go listen to the album. It's fucking great. It is dynamic for sure. That's the Glass Animals. The album is Dreamland. Dreamland. Steve, you're number five. Number five is a little show you may have heard of. This time, I swear, it's a whole series. Are you sure, Steve? I'm sure. I'm not calling it a single episode, but it's a whole entire season, and that is of a small show. You may have heard of it called The Mandalorian Ooh, Season never 2. never heard of it. Is that good? On Disney Plus. It is good. <laughs> Disney Plus. <laughs> Disney Plus. Ew, I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> No, it's great. I mean, if you've seen Mandalorian Season 1, I feel like this takes what worked in Season 1 expands upon it it's a much more consistent season mm-hmm. compared to season one i don't know have you guys seen both absolutely yep. um I, I i i enjoyed the first season but i thought it was uneven there were like episodes that were great followed by episodes that were dog shit mm-hmm. um and then this episode or this season was a lot more consistent with how good it was um it it, uh, you know that baby yoda and mandalorian relationship is the anchor of that show that show in and of itself is amazing. Just what they're able to do special effects wise. Like, um, I think they call it the volume, the big room that they film in with all the LEDs. Mm -hmm. That is such a technological Marvel. And as like a film geek, like watching all, like I look forward to the behind the scenes videos of that just as much as I do the, the episode, just because that that's such incredible technology and they're using it in a good way. I mean, the, the stories they're telling is they're simple. Um, it's most most of the show is like watching a an adult version of like a Saturday morning cartoon, which isn't a bad thing, but 
sometimes that show will sprinkle in moments that surprise you. There's an episode with Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. Um, he reprises his role. Uh, I think his I think his name is Mayfield um, as this like gun for hire type character. He's got a Boston accent. He's basically just Bill Burr in space, yeah. space Bill Burr. <laughs> and he built, he has the best scene in this whole season. Uh, it's, it, it's him and the Mandalorian and um, the, uh, the Imperial officer sitting at a table and there's, it's this really tense, almost Tarantino. Oh, we, we did it. We the both same time. know who that is. It's this very like <laughs> tense Tarantino type um, standoff, you know, discussion. And you know, it's, it's just amazing that you can have like a silly action scene like five minutes before and then a really like, oh my God, how are they going to get out of this suspenseful moment? Um, and I love Star Wars. It's no secret. I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. So seeing Star Wars live and breathe has always happened to me. And one final thing about it is uh, Dave Filoni. He, uh, he's one of the showrunners, Dave Filoni and John Favreau are the, are the two. Um, I've been fairly critical of Dave Filoni in the past. Like I, I was res- one of the... He was in charge of the animated show, right? Yeah, he was the head of Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always respected Dave Filoni because, like, it's clear he's super passionate about Star Wars. And he's got a great knowledge for it. Um, I was always more critical of his directing because I never felt like he was that great of a director. I always felt he was like George Lucas, where mm-hmm. he, big, like, big ideas and story ideas, he's great for it. But when it comes to, like, directing, just don't let him. Or writing. Or, or writing. <laughs> well, I think I think Filoni's a better writer than Lucas, to be honest. Um but it could, when it, cause like my least favorite episode of season one was Dave Filoni's episode. I'm sorry. I meant don't trust George Lucas to write it. Oh no. no. <laughs> You're softer than sand, my lady. Um, <laughs> but I think Filoni in this episode, in this season directed the best episode of Mandalorian with a bullet. And that was, uh, the Jedi is what the it's, it's with Ahsoka Tano. Mm-hmm. It's a character he created in clone wars, but she, he brought her to uh, live action with Rosario Dawson Michael Michael Bynes in it from Terminator. I thought you were going to say Michael Bay. <laughs> that would be that would be wild. <laughs> he was the explosion. But yeah, if you watch any any episode from from that season, Watch the Jedi, it's very Kurosawa inspired. Mm-hmm. It just looks beautiful, and you can see because he has an animation background. You can see in some of the frames he has, he's like using that animation style that he comes from mm-hmm. to really bring to life this world and. You know, it's just overall, it's a great season. I just wanted to give Dave Filoni a shout out to a guy I've been critical of who like really impressed me this season. So good on you, Dave. I know you're a big listener, buddy. <laughs> I know you're listening. Yeah, way to improve your skills. Answer from- my email. <laughs> <laughs> now, that that episode was my favorite of uh, of season two. I think. Um, I wish streaming things had been a thing when Mandalorian season two was popping. Oh, yeah, dude, I had, you, a, lot of, been, I had a lot of thoughts. Been nerding out. Um, if the listeners desire, we could perhaps delve back into that. Um, at some point very soon if if that's something you guys would want you yeah. guys and gals maybe closer to next year when season three yeah. and absolutely uh, will Book be on board Boba's next year out. absolutely um my number five is uh, a video game called cyberpunk 2077 Ooh, maybe that's the most controversial <laughs> yeah. pick yeah probably so Ooh. so look i know there was a lot of uh, i like drama there was a lot of drama as some folk would say uh surrounding the release of this game it was uh much anticipated and kind of dropped the ball for sure. Um, very buggy. So I was uh, blessed enough to have a PlayStation 5 when this game came out. Uh, and so that's how I was actually able to play it. You know, <laughs> that, or, that or a PC. Andy plays it on PC. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, I experienced almost none of the issues that most of the world did. I mean, the game would crash every now and then. 
Um, but if you ever played Skyrim or any giant open world game when it first comes out, there's tons of bugs because there's like, you know, trillions of lines of code. Like there's so much little shit that can go wrong. Yeah, they're really well known for Witcher 3. And when Witcher 3 first released, that was really buggy too. Right. And Witcher 3 is my other most favorite game of all time. Oh, yeah, uh, that one's great. But I just wanted to say that for anybody who's just read about what's going on or was just extremely disappointed with the game, um, the game is really amazing. It's got a really good story. Uh, Keanu Reeves being all Keanu Reevesy, and it's every time he's in a shot, I'm like, fuck yeah. He does um, really good in the game, doesn't he? He does, and he was kind of knocked. I mean, there was a bunch of invalid criticism, in my opinion, because of, A, the hype. But I don't believe in that whole uh, nothing can live up. If there's this much hype, it's definitely fucked, like kind of thing that some people cynically you know, believe in. Uh, I think it lives up to it. I looked up to it. Or, or I look forward to it for years. I've played over a hundred hours, um, trying to hundred percent it. Very much enjoy it. But why it went, meant so much to me personally, as, as Andy alluded to, I play almost exclusively shooters, and I hate myself for that. I was a huge gamer as a child. Um, I grew up on RPGs and being super nerdy. Uh, you know, plus two intelligence kind of guy. You know what I mean? Um, Do you think just playing shooters invalidates your gamer tag? No, but I, I guess, first of all, I shouldn't give a fuck what people think. But I feel like when I meet people that I uh, have a lot of things in common with in other areas, they're always really big on like, hey, I just beat Final Fantasy VII and I'm playing through Last of Us 2 again. I think it's beautiful. And uh, I'm streaming later. I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to be doing something really cool on, <laughs> on Twitch later that's not apex legends you know what i mean like and i'm like i'm just trying to get plat and in the, the ranked um and not to knock those people at all either i'm trying really hard not to offend anyone i just care too much what people think but like i just feel like when i'm talking to hardcore gamers they feel like i'm going home and putting on a flat bill and popping a monster and just popping caps you know what i mean and like I really am doing those things, <laughs> but I'm cool. Hey, hey, it's gamer fuel. All right. All right. G fuel, bro. She's my G code. Fuel. That's what it Use is. She's my code. Um, and that's not, I just like hanging out with my friends and I really enjoy shooters. I definitely do. But I can't, something's psychologically been wrong with me where like I get, it's pathetic. But like when I start to play an adventure game by myself, like I used to for many, many hours, um, I get like fucking lonely or something. Or especially if it's scary, like I'm like legitimately scared, which you think I would enjoy because that's the fucking it's a horror game, mm -hmm. but I'm not enjoying it. I'm like really fucking freaking out about going around this corner um, and I quit playing it. Um, and it's really sad because I'm missing some landmark experiences. Yeah. Uh, I own God of War. Never played it. The most recent one? Yeah, mm. the really good one. Yeah, that, I, that one is really, really good. <laughs> I own Last of Us 1 and 2. I haven't played either of them. I own Horizon Zero Dawn. I never played it. I own uh, the new Star Wars game. Um, Squadrons? No. Jedi Fallen Order? Fallen Order. Never played it. I got 10 minutes in. It froze because it hadn't been patched yet. And I was like, yeah, I tried. Fuck you. Going back to my... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play Cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. Well, no, Cyberpunk <laughs> wasn't out yet. So anyway, I, it's just so embarrassing. But Cyberpunk, I've been able to just sit there by myself for over 100 hours uh, like a big boy and play a game with actual characters and a story. And like, this is fun. Oh my God. Like I'm doing cool things, but in the context of a plot and through the eyes of a person whom I care about, they should make more games like this. <laughs> this is fun. 
so it kind of took me back to my roots and I'm excited to uh, play all those other games I've been missing out on and see what comes next. So that's, that's awesome to hear, man. Cyberpunk 2077. Do you remember when you loaned me, um, shadow, of the shadow of the Colossus, I never opened that box and I had it <laughs> for six months. And I just gave it back to you because that's like one of the most important games ever made. And you were like trying to give me a piece of art that it would change my life. And I was like, yeah, but I'm going to prestige again on Call of Duty. Dude, Steve. dude, I get it. I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm a slave to uh, Destiny 2. So I, right. I, I get the like I have a ton of games that I'm like kind of playing here and there. But I, like, I always go back to Destiny 2 because like, well, I got to get my pinnacles for this week. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yep. They're, they're very addictive. Um, Andy. What is your number four? Well, real quick, fun side note. Uh, the other day, Steve was helping me edit a video, and uh, when we were done working on it, I was like, hey, dude, do you want to check out what Cyberpunk looks like on, like, super <laughs> high-end PC? And so, like, loaded up, and, like, on PC, I, and I just built a, a new computer when the new graphics cards came out, so it's, like, really high-end right now. And so it, it, it is Cyberpunk, which is a gorgeous game, looking as good as it possibly can. And it tanked down to like five frames a second for some reason. And like it, it looked fucking awful. And it was like freezing up. And then uh, eventually, like it, it, it chugged back up to normal, like 60 frames or whatever. And then, like, I, I was like, so this is how you like you can go into this uh, zoom mode and like use your cyber eye to look at things. And then it got stuck in that. And I raised my gun and aim down sights and then i hit some bug where i was forced to aim down sights no matter what so like if i would switch a gun to like a sniper rifle and it would just shoot into the scope and then like i tried shooting at these people and like it wasn't registering as hits like they were it was like they were pretend people because they were far enough away to where like so the whole thing just was it, it, was, it was just like andy showed me five minutes of gameplay and there was like four major bugs back to back to back it's like this is not how my experience has gone i swear no to God. yeah i feel like i've gotten so lucky because i have experienced none of that except for the occasional crash and, and that's I, like every game. And I'm used to it, you know, from when I played real games a lot, you know. And also, part of my being somebody who used to play RPGs a lot, it's a thing. I was trying to tell uh, my friend, because he wasn't doing it and he was freaking me out. You keep six or seven separate save files on a big RPG like that in case you want to make a different decision. Mm -hmm. And just cycle through them and do it frequently. Like before or after I successfully do anything, I save. And so when it would crash, it's really not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? It's oh, kind yeah. of annoying, but anyway. That's one of the, the RPG tenants. Gotta do that. Always right. be saving. <laughs> Duh. Always, be saving. Always Closers are good for saving. Yeah. Always be ABS saving. <laughs> Airbag. So uh, in that vein, my number four is Last of Us Part Two. I thought you were um, going to say heroin. <laughs> in that vein, what really carried me Yo. through 2020 was all of the black tar heroin I was shooting up. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Thank you. <laughs> Ride that dragon. Shout out to Ray Ray for the plug. Uh, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really hope there's a paranoid guy who listens to our show named Ray Ray. Right. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> They're talking to me. So, uh, Last, Last of Us Part 2, uh, for all the reasons Chris just described for why there's great games that you need to experience because it's a work of art, Last of Us Part 2 is a fucking masterpiece. It is one of the most beautifully designed games with the most interesting, well-polished mechanics. Everything about that game is just polished to the umpteenth degree. Like, you're, you're never going to run into that kind of bug in a Naughty Dog game. And Last of Us Part 2, it was like, they the first game was is 
my second favorite game of all time, um, only behind Majora's Mask because that that that's for personal reasons. Like Last of Us Part One is probably the best game ever made, um, and Last of Us Part Two they knew that they had to live up to that and they fucking did it. Like the the story, like I'm never gonna forget the way that game made me feel because it 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 goes in directions that you do not want it to go and it makes you do things that you do not want to do and that only matters because they made you care so much about these characters to where like they do they do kind of a twist midway through and I'm like oh I think I know what you're going to make me do and I really don't want to do this and it's like yep they're they're making you do that 100% and I'm like oh, I'm really mad that I'm not doing this other thing that I'd rather be doing right now but eventually I'm like oh my God, now I'm actually kind of glad I'm doing this. And then I switch back to doing the thing that I had wanted to be doing to begin with. I'm like, well, no, let me go back to the other thing. I was starting to dig that. <laughs> right. And, uh, and it, it like, I'm never going to make me, it, I'm never going to forget the way it made me feel because like in like climactic moments, I'm like, there's buttons that you have to press. I'm like, I don't want to press them. And mm-hmm. a game has never made like hit me that hard where I'm like, I don't want to be doing this thing. Like, cause you want to get through the story and you want to see what happens and you want it all to be okay. But it's like, I don't want this to happen. Like, let me go back and make another choice. But it doesn't have like narrative threads where you, I could have made another choice. They had a story that they wanted to tell and they told it. And like, it gets dark and it's, I, and I guess that's something I need to talk about playing a game about a pandemic in a pandemic hits different, you know? Um, it's like, yeah, the life is life. It was basically like, yo, if 2020 gets even fucking worse, this is what it might be like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> if, if all the awful threads of 2020 were seen to complete fruition, you have right. the best part too. Um, but God damn it. Like the acting is absolute top notch. The, the mechanics are brilliant and it does little things that you can only do like on a PlayStation. Like there's moments where you play a guitar and you strum the touchpad in order to play the guitar and it functions as a guitar. You can actually like all the chords that are on there. Like you can, yeah, there's a lot of videos of people doing covers of famous, you know, guitar, (laughs) like just on this dumb little touchpad. Like people are doing like very faithful renditions of famous guitar songs. And like "Take on Me" by Aha made me cry, and like it, God damn, everything about that game was fucking brilliant. It might maybe a little too long. It was really the only thing I could really fault it for. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was far and away game of the year. And there are people that were that like that, then that that needs to be acknowledged too. Like the toxic fan base of people that like leaked the game and then were going out of their way to harass and death threat the people involved in the game because. The story didn't go the way they wanted it to. Um, those people can go straight to hell. Um, a lot but, of Last Jedi's, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm, you go to hell and you die. <laughs> um, South Park reference. But yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> if you like video games, play the Last of Us series. They're, they're, they're masterpieces. I'm excited to finally do it. Do it. You, you owe yourself to do it. I've tried to play the Last of Us 1 twice. Um, but it was prior to my awakening. And it's not out of me not enjoying the game that made me stop. It is the loneliness, weird psychosis that I go through, A, and B, the first time I legitimately scared the fuck out of me. It's a scary, they're both scary like, games. I'm walking through the whatever part, uh, fair, you know, probably 10 hours in, you have to like go through this nest of clickers unseen, mm-hmm. and they would spot. Yeah, it was physically affecting me, and I'm like... Clickers are like zombies, if like blind zombies for people who have no idea. You can't describe it about. adequately, you just have to experience it. Yeah. And it was fucking me up. 
<laughs> and I decided not to do that. Anyway, I'm, I'm grown up now. I was probably only like 28 when, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you've grown since yeah. then. I mean, Schmidt, I'm a child. Uh, Steve, what is your number four? Uh, for number four, it's only appropriate that I go back to several wells I've already started. Uh, I'm highlighting four episodes of a season of a Star Wars show. So I am calling out <laughs> the series finale, which is a four, which was four episodes strung together. The series finale of The Clone Wars on Disney Plus. Um, <laughs> I don't like when you say that with Disney specifically. <laughs> like Apple Plus, it sounds like a, a, a nice cherry treat, maybe. But Disney Plus mm. sounds like don't like it a pedophile. Yes. Um, <laughs> but no. Uh, so the Clone Wars has been an sh- animated Star Wars show. I think it first started in 2008. It's been a it's been a while around a while. Did they end the show this year? Was that a 2020 debut? Yep. They Th- end. They finaled it. Yeah. So it went on for several years, and I think. Um, you know, Disney bought Star Wars. In the and same they, way Netflix will sometimes, yeah. Yeah, and, and when they bought Star Wars, they had they were like, okay, we will allow you to finish the season you're currently working on, and then that's it, no more Clone Wars. So they did that a couple years ago. Um, and then I guess they were like, hey, you know, we got all this, we've got all these like kind of half-finished episodes that they started working on. We're Disney Plus. We can make a ton of money if we just release these eight episodes, or I can't remember, I think it was eight or ten episodes. Um, but, and, and, you know, when you watch the full season, when you watch like all 10 episodes, the first four or six, however many are in the front end, aren't that great. Like the animation is gorgeous. Um, but, and if you're a star Wars fan, you'll definitely get something out of them, but I'm not a huge fan of them. The last four episodes, however, I think is some of the best star Wars we've ever gotten. Um, let me tell you why. So (laughs) Chris, Andy. Do you like Revenge of the Sith? Yeah. Episode three? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's so the best of the prequels for sure. For sure. Well, the last four episodes of Clone Wars takes place concurrently with Revenge of the Sith. Oh, cool. So there are scenes that happen in Revenge of the Sith that you're seeing from a different perspective. So like there's a there's a scene in Revenge of the Sith where like all the Jedi Council members are talking. Some of them are holograms and they're having this like discussion of what they need to do. Well, you're seeing it from the perspective of Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's a hologram in that scene, and you're seeing what happens before and after from his perspective. Oh, cool. But the episode centers around so the show's called Clone Wars, you know, it follows Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker a lot, but most would argue the main characters of the Clone Wars are A, Ahsoka Tano, who I briefly mentioned before in Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and B, the clones themselves. Like, the, the show does a you know, great stride to uh, give character and personality to a ton of clones. Shout out to Dee Bradley Baker, who voices literal thousands of characters for that show <laughs> um, and makes them all unique. But um, so it's Ahsoka Tano. She's, she's brought back uh, into the Jedi Order um, to help the Mandalorians reclaim Mandalore, which has been taken over by Darth Maul, essentially. So you have that's if that doesn't sound cool as a Star Wars fan, I don't know. I I don't know what I the fuck. I, I, I can't do it. You're right. And at some point, because this happens concurrently with um, Revenge of Sith, what's a big event that happens in Revenge of Sith? Order sixty six. Order sixty six. So you get to see Order sixty six from the perspective of Ahsoka Tano and how she uh, handles that situation. Um, but the way it ends is hauntingly beautiful. Like, cause even the score goes from your classic John Williams score, very classically star Wars. And by the end it, the score mutates into this blade runner esque synth haunting notes. 
and the symbolism and like just the final few shots. I, I really wish I could like get into spoiler territory and talk to, to you guys about it because the, the, the final few moments of the four episodes are just fucking art and beautiful and beauty. And if you're a star Wars fan, you, you'll just like, you, you'll, it'll be with you for the rest of your life. It's it's that's, it's that good. Wow. Um, and plus you could see Darth Maul doing a lightsaber fight and they actually did motion, uh, tracking on Ray Park, the original uh, live-action actor. They, like, did motion. So, like, his fight scene of is... Of X-Men Toad fame. Yeah, of X-Men... Of X versus Sever. Ballistic X versus Sever <laughs> fame. Uh, but, no, they yeah, they did motion capture on him, so his lightsaber fight looks really, really good because, you know, it's actually him doing it. Mm. Um, so check it out. If you like Mandalorian, definitely check that out because the Mandalorians are a big part of that arc, especially towards the beginning of it. If you like clones, they're obviously a big part of it. And if you like Sotano, she's obviously a big part of it. So check it out. The last four episodes of the clone wars. That's on awesome. Disney plus. Thank you very much, Steve. Um, that moves at uh, my number four, right? Mm. There we're at. Yes. So my number four is called Dave. It is a show that is available to stream on Hulu. Yet again, I'm like, Oh my God, that was 2020. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long 10 year year. It's been a while. Um, so I've been uh, a big fan of the rapper who goes by the name Lil Dicky uh, for quite a long time. I'm a huge fan of wordplay, right? Number one, and uh, solid beats, number two. So those two things combined <laughs> Lil Dicky. Wordplay and solid uh-huh. beats. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, Dave Bird is the rapper who goes by Lil Dicky. Um, and if you don't know, he's hilarious. He's got a comedic shtick, uh, but he's actually. Um, a lyrical genius at the same time. Like, it's not just a joke, like uh, Riff Raff or something like that. Like, he's a, a legitimate lyrical genius. What's wrong with Riff Raff? Um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Riff Raff. <laughs> I just think there's a fundamental <laughs> difference between the two styles. Um, so anyway, it's it's on Hulu, and it's... Uh, I, I thought it was just going to be goofy spoofs. Like, when I heard the show was going to exist, it was going to be kind of like his early YouTube videos, which is how he got famous, was making these hilarious videos to the songs uh, on YouTube. But nay, it's extremely artistic. It's got a lot of, uh, not artistic, it's not the fucking word. Everything's artistic, right? But all art is artistic, but uh, it's emotional. Uh, um, it's intellectual. It, it, I, I got a lot out of it. I, I shed actual tears, you know? Yeah, it's got a lot of ethos, pathos. One of the thoses is in there. I lost my train of thought. But the point I was trying to make is that I really did <laughs> love the show Dave, I absolutely did. It took me by surprise. Uh, I've watched it twice. I plan on watching it a third time. I'm so excited for season two. And I'm very excited for Dave because he's kind of launched himself from this indie YouTube uh, musical artist, like fighting to be taken seriously on the hip hop scene. And then everybody, I saw all these tweets and they probably were well-founded, honestly, but it was like, oh, this, you know, this other straight white man who has no experience whatsoever in film and television, you know, no writing experience other than lyrics. Now he gets his own fucking show. Yay, I'm not going to watch it. Fuck him. You know what I mean? Like, that was the general zeitgeist of the small sector of film Twitter that I'm mostly privy to. And being such a good fan of him, uh, being such a a big fan of his. Who's a good fan? (laughs) I'm a good fan. Who's a good fan? (laughs) I get a treat. Uh, Being such a big fan of him, I was kind of immediately defensive. Mm-hmm. Like, I get what you're saying, but also, eh, fuck you. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so, I, I, but I think he, and then all this critical praise was, you know, heaped upon the show as soon as it debuted. Like, holy shit, this is really good. This is sincere. 
Um, and I was, even though I was defending him in advance, I was also like pleasantly surprised. Like, oh, thank God. You know what I mean? Um, so it's very good. I highly recommend you t- uh, check out the show. Dave, even if you're not a fan of his music. I think the hardest I laughed in 2020 was at the milking table scene in like the second episode of Dave. It's Dude, it is so funny. Hard to breathe. Absolutely. It was very good. That's available on Hulu as well. Big year for Hulu. Not that, yeah. not that like 2019 was bad for Hulu. Like, what was Hulu? They did uh, raise their <laughs> price. That's probably why. Yeah. Who? They knew they had good shit. <laughs> Premium content. Andrew, we're in the top three zone, bro. Oh, oh man. Shit. Top three. And I let us run way over on time, but we just got such good stuff. Wrap, wrapped up in this great discussion. What my, is your number three? My number three is Rector actively spent putting Dave in place a tenant as number 10. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so my number three is Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's kind of a cheat, kind of not. Uh, it's a, a, f- a recording of a production of Hamilton that happened in, like, 2015, but uh, partway through the pandemic, they decided, and it was intended to release this year, this being 2021, uh, they decided to release that early and uh, just to give the people something to enjoy, you know, while they're stuck at home. And uh, if you know me, I uh, love musicals. Uh, they are uh, delightful. I think that theater is the ultimate culmination of of like all the arts where it's like performance it's acting it's writing it's music uh it's interactive uh musicals are fucking dope hamilton is uh is my shit i i I was super lucky enough to get to see it live um a few years ago in chicago and it's one of the best theater experiences i've had because it is absolutely genius genius production the writing is absolutely top-notch everything is threaded so brilliantly I, I have listened to that soundtrack at least, at least 50 times, like all the way through. And I still find new things where I'm like, oh, that's so dope. He, when he's speaking French, like real early on, he only counts to this number. And when he dies later, he only counts that number again, too. That actually literally happened. And that's when like, the beat diverts, diverges, too. Right. And I, I had that thought like two days ago listening to the Hamilton soundtrack. I listen to it all the time. So for it to... Uh, come out to be able to watch it to get to see the performance and not just a performance but a performance with all of the original cast which is not something that you got to experience unless you happen to be in new york and happen to be super lucky enough to get a ticket um it was magical uh and there's things that they do live that doesn't happen in the soundtrack and so like most people you listen to the soundtrack because you can't if, if you're in musicals you listen to the soundtrack because you can't get tickets or you can't be there to experience it or, you know, tickets for musical theater are ungodly expensive, and so it's just unfeasible to go, usually. Um, so getting to see Lin-Manuel Miranda and Jonathan Groff and all of the, uh, Philippa Sue and all of the, the original cast, to get to see them, like, at peak uh, hype of Hamilton 2015 and just fucking crush it. Uh, was, was fantastic, and I've rewatched, and it's like three and a half hours long, and I've watched it like mm. four or five times now, and it's yeah, it's awesome. I'm gonna jump Steve, and just in the interest of you know not making the show all boomerangy, it's Hamilton is my number three as well. Nice, um, all the reasons Andy said, but I, Andy would listen to the soundtrack all the time back in you know 2016, whatever it was, and I hadn't seen it yet, and I didn't want to listen to it because. I'm insanely spoiler averse, as stupid as that is, with maybe a musical, but that's how I felt. Um, Do they sing? 
<laughs> right, I've ruined it for you, Steve. I'm what sorry. happens to what? Alexander Hamilton? <laughs> Is he okay? I, mean. I just didn't want. I wanted it to be. I don't know what the fuck I wanted. Is he the man on my money? <laughs> <laughs> but I finally got uh, to enjoy it, and it was. It lived up to this, like the, you know, what we were talking about earlier with cyberpunk. Hamilton is the cyberpunk. As a t- I'm just kidding. I'm not going to piss everybody off. <laughs> There's a lot of bugs in I'm it. <laughs> <laughs> if you got a high enough NPC when you're streaming it. Sometimes um, your dick, will, like his dick pops out of his under- underwear if he's on a bike. <laughs> the fact that it's you couldn't say what you were trying to say made it better. The fact, you know, your dick will, uh... <laughs> I was like, what? Were you, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's a bug in twenty Cyberpunk, right? Where like Disney yeah, Plus, <laughs> you have a customizable dick, and it does periodically show through your pants. But no, I knew what he was getting at, but it was funny. I can't um, talk good. So anyway, this is our uh, intellectual discourse surrounding <laughs> Hamilton. Um, <laughs> I, I just think. I just wanted to say it was beautiful. I, too, listened to the soundtrack. I think the first half is much better than the second half, mm. listening to just the music. Uh, the songs are so good. And uh, I think, again, not to frame everything this way, but I think it's impossible not to. Um, releasing it at that time, I mean, everybody had the free time to watch something during the pandemic quarantine. But also, the political context of the story itself, I think, mm-hmm. kind of gave it new life. Um, anyway, that's all I got to say about that's my number three, Hamilton. Steve, what's your number three? My number three is a show you can find on Apple TV plus. I'm pretty sure it's on Andy's. It might be on yours as well, Chris. And that is Ted Lasso, uh, starring Jason, Jason Sudeikis, who plays an affable and lovable, Mm. uh, football coach who goes to sunny old England to be a football coach, to be a football coach, the soccer kind of football football. Um, and he's he definitely plays a fish out of water. And the reason why I love this show, I mean, it's a comedy, um, but this show has so much heart. It, it, and like I could see, like it, this this show is so sweet. It like brings out the it highlights the best of humanity. Ted Lasso is this character that's almost like too good. He's too sunshine and rainbows, too happy. But the show is smart, and they kind of add this layer to him that is tragic, that is sad but believable and not like maudlin or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in this year of 2020, you know, I connected with the show personally, not only because of, you know, you know, you go outside and it just sucks. You you gotta wear stuff. You gotta wear masks. You gotta be worried. You're not going to kill your parents. If you go and say hi to them, you gotta, you know, you turn on the TV and like fucking the war, the world's going to be on fire and like, you know, at any minute now, those murder hornets are going to fly out of my toilet and sting me in my ass. Um, so it was nice to watch this show that just reminded me like what it is to be a person and how good we should be to each other and, and not have it feel forced or uh, false or fake. It felt true to itself. It felt real. And it was just a lovely show. And I connected with that character so much. Um in terms of what he was going through and I won't spoil what that is, you know, go, go watch it for yourself. And, you know, I can't say anything enough. Jason Sudeikis is the man. I really want to know what his biscuits tasted like. Right. Delicious. Um, apparently they are the bee's knees. And, uh, I, I, I do like tea though. I know. I don't think it's, I don't think it tastes like dirty water. Like he, like he says, but, uh, Ted Lasso, go check it out. 
All right. That's available on Apple TV Plus. Plus. Uh, I guess it kind of screwed up the rotation, but um, okay. my number two is uh, The Queen's Gambit uh, from the mind of Scott Frank um, with uh, the Miss Taylor Joy, of course. And Andy, I would say, even though I'm very fond of Anya Taylor Joy and all of her work, mm-hmm. uh, oeuvre. Um, There's I would that say, word, oeuvre. <laughs> number two is actually your fiance. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would say Henry Cavill is number two uh, as far fair, as my, uh, my crush list. Um, but anywho, The Queen's Gambit. That floored me, and it took the world by storm. And there was a lot of people that I respect kind of um, deconstructing it and trying to say, like, I don't get it. Kind of, You alluded to it. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't understand the flavor of the week that is the Queen's Gambit. I think it's okay kind of thing. Um, And I think I ranted to you on the phone about it. I think that they fundamentally misunderstood and i don't mean that in an arrogant way like oh it's uh, right over your head you know uh plebs <laughs> plebs um but i think uh, a lot of our listeners know that you know i'm i struggle with addiction and alcoholism and uh so yeah i took it from that point of view entirely and i, I love the chess was fun and amazing I, and i love fucking chess movies right so like searching for Bobby Fisher, all that. Ch- like I always, dude. I was racking my brain trying to think of a single other chess movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's, um, damn it! Now you're pissing me off. You're making me delete it from my brain. There's another really big one, but that's the one I watched a bunch as a kid. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ruin the podcast until I figure it out. That's okay. Nope, nope, not going to figure it out, I guess. What kind of pieces in chess are there? There's the knight. <laughs> There's the rook. I believe there is a bishop. Ooh. All right. I'm not going to discover it, but it doesn't matter. There's a pawn. They're fun. <laughs> They're fun. Um, but the fact that it is the single best description of what it in- really feels like and how it begins to take hold of your life to be an alcoholic how alcoholism slowly seeps over you. Was it the animated short before no. the movie Ants where the old man plays chess against himself? That was the most delightful thing. Do you remember <laughs> that? That is neat, but it was not what I was trying to think of. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Thought I had him. Um, was it that scene in X-Men 3, The Last Stand, where yes. Magneto doesn't have powers and he just kind of like makes a pawn wiggle a little bit right before the credits hit? He's getting him back. Yeah. That is, you're exactly right. That's what I was thinking of. Um, Knew but it. It's like... The way that she, people, movies always describe alcoholism to to the audience like, oh, she's taking a sip and now, oh, they're naked and homeless and crack and they're smoking the crack pipe and it's over and it's terrible and it's puking and it's death and there's they're, wrecking, they're definitely driving drunk and they're You're definitely going to wreck the car. This is bullshit. Right. Well, that's why they do drunk, but like alcoholism is like this zero to 60 like, oh my God, and, and it's not realistic and it's not helpful to people that struggle with that because they're like, that's not what it feels like, so that must not apply to me or, you know, whatever. Um, and in reality, in this show, um, her character has a great time, a good relationship with alcohol. You know, her her mother has a, you know, relationship with alcohol. They bond over it together. Um, she gets drunk by herself, dances around in her underwear, has a great fucking time and wakes up a little hungover and then goes around about her life. And so it's harder to tell that she has a bad relationship with it or that it's getting worse, right? Like the pills that she takes makes her better at the thing that she loves in her mind. And that's how it is with me with taking drugs. You know, I would take a pill or snort a line and then go ace the test. Do you know what I mean? And 
it was like, why would I not do that again? That worked out great. That's how addiction starts. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, like you get good results. That's how brain, human brains are wired. Like, okay, do it again. You know, things worked out fine. And they can do that for a number of years until all of a sudden it's not working out fine anymore and you can't even tell. Um, so anyway, I just, it really hit me that accurate portrayal. The performances are great. It was so addictive and fun. Like, where are they going to move the pieces? Oh my God. Um, and I, I saw some people being frustrated that they were kind of cutting away from the chess games, um, which I get, like, that sounds absurd. Like, of course they were trying to keep it interesting. The trouble games. But they were really drawing you into the moves and you kind of just wanted to watch then move the pieces around and cut back and forth for a straight hour. I totally get it. I, I wish there were some deleted scenes of the other moves we could watch, but I, don't know, I was very impressed with that show and it, it, it hit me very hard. So that's my number two. Andy, what's your number two? So my number two is the biggest cheat on my list. Um, oh no. In that it's I, it's technically kind of, again, <laughs> but in reverse. <laughs> this is a list inversion. <laughs> Um, so my number two is a subscription to Ultimate Guitar Pro. Online. What is that? It is a service online that you can subscribe to. That uh, is, it's essentially music tabs. Um, but you, it, when you subscribe to the pro version, then you can get official tabs for things, and you can um, like go go into the editor and adjust like the. Um, you, you can transpose, I was going to say transposition, but you, you can transpose to like different keys and stuff. You can highlight certain portions of the music to have it loop. You can adjust the speed at which it plays. So if you're trying to play something partic learn something particularly complicated, you can um, slow it down and loop it over and over again to try to build up to being able to play it at full speed and stuff like that. Um, just with the absolute... For, for listeners who don't know, a tab is for guitar players... Uh, it's the one instrument where you really don't need to know how to read music. We're famous for that, and it'll you can learn a song, how to play it from the tab instead of reading the sheet music. It's sure, it's musical notation that shows the fret and the fret on which string you play, and um, there's no like timing to it or anything. It's just put your finger on the fifth fret of this string, and that is the A. Um, but so in the absolute piss poor god awful year that I was having in 2020, breaking my finger and stuff, I went while my finger was broken and I couldn't play guitar and thought I might not ever get to really play again. Uh, I subscribed to Ultimate Guitar as kind of like a fuck you to fate. Uh, like I'm gonna learn and I'm I'm looking at all these songs that I want to learn and uh, and honestly, like it saved me probably more than anything else in 2020 was just like. Um, going through this what's basically sheet music and kind of just playing it in my head you know what i mean and being like i'm gonna play that i'm gonna play that and so like just dumb stuff like you know i i learned uh stacy's mom you know what i mean and like and, and so like before i even learned how to play it i learned how to play it by watching watching the sheet music go on ultimate guitar and did she so, have it going on oh bro mm. um and like i don't know i learned a bunch of Elton John songs. I learned a bunch of Beatles songs and whatever, but like, so it was like streaming something to me cause I wasn't actually playing. I was just watching, you know what I mean? And, uh, and then eventually once, you know, my fingers started to heal and I could play for like 30 seconds at a time before it hurt too bad. And then a little longer and a little longer. And, uh, you know, now I play guitar more than I probably ever did. And, uh, 
it's just really good to be able to turn the corner on it. And it is a hundred percent just from sitting there reading stuff when I couldn't actually play it. Yeah. Ultimate guitar. Awesome. Was my number two. Yeah, I was creative and I respect that. And I like that because that's what this is about. You what? took your streaming things and now you are a better person with a more <laughs> complete toolkit. We're at, Steve and I were just streaming things. Andy was out there stringing things. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes, he was. Mm -hmm. Steve, what is your number two? My number two is The Last of Us Part Two. Nice. Um, Andy kind of went into a lot of the stuff that I would say about it. Um, I would just stress that th this game is so good, not in terms of like what makes a good game mechanically. Story-wise, it is head and shoulders above almost anything else in media, I'd say. The way they teach certain books to children in schools, I feel like they should teach Last of Us Part Two to children in schools <laughs> because I think it is that powerful of an experience, especially, you know, I don't blame people for not wanting to play Last of Us Part Two because I, I know several people who are like, I just don't know if I can mentally play that game mm -hmm. this year. I totally understand it because, you know, like we mentioned before, it's 2020, you know, on crack. It's <laughs> just like, it's it's crazy. And it crack, is a... you say? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's just a little. <laughs> you want to get what is it, Ray, Ray, JJ, the 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 fake heroin dealer oh, we made up a couple. Hi. Ray, 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 Ray. Um, JJ is Abrams. Oh, sorry, he made the Star Wars. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's it's. I love it because uh, it's it's really good. It's ballsy as shit. So you know, Andy briefly touched on like the game is makes you as a player do things you don't want to do. It also does things where. It's like, oh shit, this is a this person's a villain, but are they? Like the way it kind of plays with the idea of like who is a villain, and and you know what makes a villain, and you know that you know that's always been a big theme of both Last of Us games is like the Last of Us. Who is us? What do we do for the people that we? Well, who is us? Yeah, who, who is <laughs> us? How 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 do we as people act when we kind of divide into tribes? You know, because you think like when you read the game Last of Us and it's a post-apocalyptic post world with zombies, you think, you know, the Last of Us meaning the Last of Us human beings. But really, it kind of boils down to much more that like the Last of Us, like because everyone's so fractured and tribal in that game, but also in present day. Mm. Um, and I've seen a lot of people criticize the game for like, oh, I don't need a video game to tell me that violence is bad. Mm -hmm. or revenge is bad and stuff like that. And I think that's such an obtuse criticism because like, I've never heard that criticism, criticism aimed towards like fucking John wick. You know what I mean? Right. Um, <laughs> and, and that's such a service level interpretation of the game because the game is really about the relationships of the characters. That is the primary goal of that, of that, of the, of the series. Both games really is just to, show you like what we do as humans for the humans we care about and why and how some of that is beautiful and some of it is tragic because this game has you know think of every emotion you can possibly has of a human being this it's is represented in that game to the 10th level there is unbridled joy in that game there is unbridled happiness there is crushing lows there's crushing defeats there is horrid betrayals and all of it's earned. Um, and I agree with Andy that if I were to levy a complaint towards it, it is, I think, maybe a little too long. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, the, I, you know, shout out the actor, the, uh, mainly the two actresses, um, Ashley Johnson, who plays Ellie and Laura Bailey, who plays a character I won't name for spoiler reasons, but then also Troy Baker, who plays Joel. Um, they are phenomenal actors at the height of their craft. And it just makes me sick that people would feel so entitled to what they viewed the game as that they would levy yeah, death yeah. threats towards those actors, specifically Laura Bailey and, um, Neil Druckmann, the director. Um, there is a valid criticism of the game because there's a lot of reports of like overtime and how they like overwork their employees at Naughty Dog to get the game out. Sure. I think that's completely, you know, valid. That, that's a valid Warranted, concern. Yeah. I completely agree with that. However, that doesn't take away that all these people worked really, really hard and they made a fucking masterpiece and it won a lot of awards, rightfully so. Awesome. That is The Last of Us 2. Yep. Um, Andy, I think we have the same number one. I think so, buddy. Three, two, one, Ted, Ted Lasso. Lasso. I almost said Tenet to be a... F- oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Ted Lasso, uh, created by Brendan Hunt. Uh, Steve said a lot of good things about it already. Um, I just want to say um, we need more fucking Ted Lasso in this world right now so badly. This this show was a lifeline to me this year. Um, you know, Queen's Gambit was beautifully shot and had some of my favorite actors... Um, and spoke to me in my past and, and said a, something important that I think people need to be able to identify with to heal. Um, and Ted Lasso just gave me hope and humanity again at a time when I had none. Um, and it does some really creative things to stay in that vein. Um, you know, because if you watch a lot of TV and you, you know, read a lot of stories in general, there's certain plot devices that you expect. And I love all these characters so much. And it would get to... I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say. It would get to like a junction where a character would do something shitty to someone else. And you can just see um, you know, the inner workings of the story ahead of time. Like, oh, and then that's going to be discovered and that's going to be a point of conflict and they're going to not talk to each other for three episodes and then they're going to reconnect. And I like this show slightly less and that pisses me off that we have to go through all that when that's not what I want to watch right now. And then... Like a character would find out that they did that and he would just be like, that's okay. I forgive you. I understand. You know what I mean? Just skip all the three episodes of like fake late 90s sitcom shit. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And like that, I would just get so happy. Like, yes. You know what I mean? Um, I just loved it so much. So genius. I'm so excited to watch it again. Um, Andy, you got some words on, yeah, t- on the Ted? Uh, you know, we, we've all said plenty about how wonderful Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso is. Uh, honestly, just And it like, also asks, who is us? <laughs> it does indeed ask, who is us? <laughs> uh, it, dude, it's just funny. It, it's, it's joyful. It's, um, at, at times, it's really sad. And uh, it, it goes to some, some fairly dark places, but it, it never really loses, like, the, the main impact that ultimately it had on me and it's probably the best praise you can give for any real work of art is that just it made me want to be a better person football is life (laughs) and so (laughs) and so it um i i I rewatched it a whole bunch of times and i will continue to rewatch it It's, it's one of those things more than most uh media where you can put it in the background and it'll make you feel better. You know what I mean? Like people do for The Office. That's what Ted Lasso is going to become for me, and I know that already. And they've only got one season of it so far. Oh, yeah. I've watched that season three times. Yeah. Like, I just keep rewatching it whenever I'm, like, feeling down. I'm like, I want Ted to make me cookies. 
It's it's the type of show where like you finish the finale and you're like awesome, and then just go ahead and hit play on episode one again. You Do know? you? You're, this is gonna be terrible. Do you remember that movie Monsters Ball with Billy Bob Thornton and Halle Berry? Yeah. Do you remember when? I remember scenes after the tragic, the like the linchpin tragedy of the movie when she's drunk and she wants to have sex with him and spoilers for Monster Ball. And she, and all those people who are like, God oh, damn it. She's like grabbing him and she's like, make me feel good. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel when I'm, <laughs> <laughs> when I'm turning on Ted Lasso. Make me feel good, Ted Lasso. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you're the Halle Berry and Correct. Ted Lasso is the Billy Bob. Correct. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I think Ted Lasso wouldn't want it any other way. <laughs> I think so, too. I think so too, Steve. I don't think you know how psychologically healthy that is. <laughs> I think we should get the Diamond Dogs together to really analyze what you just said. For sure. <laughs> um, I, we don't. So I wanted to keep this episode under an hour, and we did that. If I won, it's two hours. Um, but that's good. We were reunited uh, yet again. It's good to see you guys back here. I wanted to go over some like dark horses and um, you know honorable mentions. I don't really have time to do that. A um, couple shout outs. Maybe we have real, like, just literally uh, shout them out. Um, the Boys. The Boys season two. That was on my list. My number one, Hamilton, by the way. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Andy already talked about it. Oh, I feel so terrible God. because I screwed up the rotation when we had the same three. <laughs> Which was also <laughs> Hamilton. And Steve, go on, buddy. My bad. No, really. I, but also, fuck you. <laughs> no, Hamilton's great. Andy, I won't go into it. Everyone knows what Hamilton is. I only really put it on there because, A, I love it. It's, it's awesome. It's amazing. But actually, I watched it on the 4th of July, um, which typically is a holiday. How I patriotic. Was, I was going to say. I know. Very good timing. Typically, and, you know, fucking call me a commie libtard but typically 4th of July is not a holiday I give any shits about um, because like I'm not super into the flag the flag waving beat my chest I'm an American I'm not like that type of person I hate fireworks um, typically so like you, you and they, I, they are allowed. I don't like being outside in July so it's like a it's like a holiday that's like <laughs> built towards not something Steve likes to do um, but this 4th of July was magical because Hamilton was on I sat down. I started watching it. I've always wanted to see Hamilton. I've I've never seen it. I, I went, remember you talking about wanting to see it years ago. I've never been able to see it live. I've had that album since like 2016. And I always listen to it constantly. So being able to see it on Disney Plus in this cinematic way, because they shot it in a very cinematic style, and it's yeah. awesome. I looking. was very impressed that they managed to do that. Yeah, it looks gorgeous, especially on certain uh, uh, musical numbers. But halfway through... You know, this is it's it's kind of late late at night when I start watching it. Halfway through, I start hearing explosions, and at first I'm like, "Oh, it's Fourth of July, fireworks going off," but then the explosions like ratcheted up to like twenty. I'm like, "What the fuck is going outside?" Like, I live in a pretty, you know, urban, close knit. You know, there's nowhere to really light fireworks off where I live. Right. To be honest, I, there's a lot of houses on top of each other. Um, I have a patio upstairs, uh, an upstairs deck patio. I go upstairs. And I literally have a 180 degree view of no less than 15 firework displays that people are just launching throughout the neighborhood, including directly in front of my house at that intersection that you guys passed. There was guys launching like huge ass fireworks, like illegal fireworks (laughs) right in front of my house. And 
I, you know, like, it was the best 4th of July I've ever had because not only am I watching this like show that is artfully done and great, um, that I love and uh, you know, it's, it's just so cool to be able to watch that. But then I'm, you know, I take this like little intermission and see what is the coolest fireworks display I've ever seen from my own house. I'm like, yeah, this is, I, this holiday rocks. And then I, once it was over, I'm like, okay, what happens to Alexander Hamilton? Let's see how this, (laughs) let's see how this ends. So probably pretty well. Yeah. So, I mean, on, on top of, (laughs) I mean, he's on my money. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, so, um, you know, yeah. So, like, as, as a combination of a personal reason and the fact that you know Hamilton is just a wonderful piece of art. I can't believe I almost castrated you, that wonderful story straight off Steve. <laughs> God, what an unlasso like thing for me to do! How selfish. Hey, hey, I forgive you, man. But if it helps, it's just my own thoughts for my puppy that caused it. You came, you came from a good place. You got to feed that puppy. <laughs> Chris has a new puppy named Dobby. So, Super cute. Do you have a puppy named Dobby? And uh, Harry Potter gave him his socks, so he's free now. So that is our top 10 uh, things that helped us survive 2020, the 2020 survival kit. I swore I'd never say those two numbers so closely together again, and here I am. Um, Bridgerton, it's a show on Netflix. I didn't get to talk much about it. It's very good. Uh, Cobra Kai, I just discovered in 2020. It didn't quite count um, because I think season three came out in 2021. And then the other ones before that. But I binged it in 2020 and fell in love. Um, a couple of movies, The Trial of Chicago 7. Did you guys catch that? I haven't yet. Mm-mm. Very good. Um, there's a horror movie called Freaky. That's really good. Vince Vaughn. Um, highly recommend that. It's really creative. Um, the Old Guard and Extraction. Those two action films oh, extraction that came out. Good. The Old Guard is f- even better. I, I, would argue. I never saw The Old Dude, Guard. it's so good. How oh, can I you will. not watch I, it? I will. I will. Slap the shit out of you. God damn. Uh, happy, <laughs> happiest season on Hulu. K-Stew. More K-Stew. K-Stew. So good. Such a goodie. Is that her holiday movie? Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I want to see that. Um, what else? Oh, the, the Euphoria special. There's a special episode of Euphoria that debuted. I'm a huge fan of Euphoria. Listeners, if you guys want to talk Euphoria, email me. would love to. Obsessed with that show. Uh, I put Tenet on my honorable mentions, and I find that funny. Okay, one last thing from me because it's super important to me because I have not heard anybody mention it. And just out of the sheer audacity of putting it on my list, I almost caused it to be on there. Did you guys watch or even hear of the movie Love and Monsters? I've heard of it. I've heard of it. It is very good. If you like, did you like Zombieland? Yeah. It's literally uh, like how underwater was to Alien, Love and Monsters is to Zombieland. Like, but also equally good, and that doesn't take away from it at all. In the same way that I said with underwater, mm-hmm. it's literally Zombie Land with fantastical monsters uh, instead of zombies. It's super fucking good, hilarious, uh, good action. I, I heard about that show some time ago, but I, for whatever reason, thought when people were like, "Oh, this show, uh, what's what's it called again?" I'm so sorry, Eleven Monsters. It's the, a movie. The show, the show, Love, or this movie, Eleven Monsters. You got to watch it. I kept thinking it, they were referencing the show um, Love, Sex, and Robots. <laughs> on Netflix, is that Which what it's called? Really yeah, good. It's yes. really good. I too. love yeah, that like, show. And so when people were talking about like that show came out like yeah, two years ago, <laughs> so I was just trying to find something to watch uh, with my son because I let him watch inappropriate movies like that all the time, and we didn't end up watching it. But he went to bed, and then I paid like twenty dollars, 
and bought it because it was supposed to be in theaters. It was one of those. With money? With monies. <laughs> where Alexander Hamilton was on. Two of those? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Is he on the 10? He's on the 10. Yeah, I knew that. Super good patriot. <laughs> <laughs> was it two of them? I don't know. You even led me to the right answer. And I was like, I don't know. Um, yeah, and I didn't regret it at all. It was such a good experience. So anyone at home that kind of missed that, because I didn't hear anybody on the film Twitter talking about it, you know, or any of the podcasts I listened to. I'm not saying nobody watched it, but it seemed like it kind of fell by the wayside. Um, any who's so loving monsters. I don't know if there's anything else you guys want. Monsters. Really good. Andy's been watching a lot of Doctor Who. Hell of a lot. I have an uncanny ability to spot Game of Thrones actors from obscure roles in Game of Thrones. There's a lot of them. And I've been driving Chris nuts because I keep sending them pictures. Yeah, because I don't care. But I thought he should start a Twitter account called, like, Doctor Who's in Game of Thrones or something like that. I like that. (laughs) And literally just nothing but post about Because there's that many that it could be a whole thing. It really is. It's, it's it's comical how many Game of Thrones actors are in there. In you watch the roles. show too, right? Doctor Who, yes. Yeah, yep. yeah. I'm I'm a Doctor Who. Who else is in it? I forgot to send you last night. I spotted Craster. Yeah, ow, I hit the table. All right, that's all the time we have for today, I believe. Thank you so much for listening this long. Hopefully, you love top ten list episodes as much as we do, because that's why we did this. Because we love those as well. Do we know Um, what they're going to have the pleasure of listening to next week? We do indeed. Next week, we are going to be discussing our most anticipated films of 2021. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have the the schedule in front of you. Yeah, that is on the schedule. That's true. Uh, So next week, uh, you'll be listening to the most anticipated films and shows of 2021. So we're looking forward now. We've moved past 2020. And we're looking forward to all the wonderful films and shows we're going to get to watch. New year, new list, mm-hmm. new dis. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all the time we have. Oh, be sure to email streamingthingspod at gmail.com with all of your, you know, wonderful compliments. Perhaps, Send us your top 10. Perhaps yes. insults. And most anticipated. What got you through 2020 and what are you looking forward to in 2021? Um, my name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. Thank you so much. Stream.